Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan, David Haw. So speaking of women who have impact on a sport, Kayla Clark's in town. Listen, if you've got the money, you should go watch that game. Iowa plays Northwestern, the women's basketball game, Bush Ryan Arena. Caitlin Clark phenomenon continues. Caitlin, and she has officially moved on up in the record books, folks. That one was for third on the women's all-time scoring list. I mean, Caitlin Clark just took it. And Caitlin Clark is now the all-time leading scorer in the Big Ten with that quick layup. And I'm sitting there last night thinking, God, the Bulls ought to draft her. <laughs> <laughs> Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 6.70 The Score. I want to tell you guys I love you guys. I listen to you guys every day when I drive into work. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6.70 The Score. Oh, what, what, a, uh, what a wonderful night to watch basketball. You got Caitlin Clark. 35 points and Kobe White with 35 points. Coincidence? <laughs> Morning, Molly. Happy Thursday. First day of February. Last night was a lot of basketball. Kobe White's 35 helped the Bulls come back. That was fun to watch them bounce back. He plays well in that state. He owns that well, state. I, I, he's he grew a schoolboy legend. Yes. In he's, that he he yeah. lived up to his reputation in that state. And That's then right. back here in our backyard, Caitlin Clark, ho-hum, 35 and 10. Boy, she's good. Boy, is she natural. She is yeah. good. And she didn't even shoot well. It, it wasn't I, like. I mean, it, wasn't, it well, wasn't one of those, like, you know, by the end of it, okay, she's at 35 and flirting he, with he, the triple-double. You felt like it was a routine, yeah. dominant performance. Yeah, that's what it was. And it was, okay, yeah. moving on. The next, the, the next act on the Caitlin Clark show and the tour and what a turnout in Evanston. You know, the, the crowd was louder than the broadcast for, for the beginning of, uh, I had to turn the volume up to, <laughs> to be able to hear what they were saying. It was, I'm not kidding, that, that was wild, man. You mean because of the acoustics, because of I your don't know, t- TV? I or? don't, probably Peacock? on me. Uh, Are you putting it on Peacock? I have Peacock. I told you I, I watch a lot of <laughs> soccer and I watch a lot I, of I, Star Trek. And uh, so it's, like, programmed on my TV. So I just turn it on. But then I can't flip back and forth with the Bulls game like I want to. I, that's the thing that was bothersome yeah. about yes. that. Not yes. to get uh, too. Yeah, these are 
Not to lapse you know. into like whiny mode. Yep, yeah, this these are rich problems. I you know I didn't I needed two TVs I to stayed, watch both games I, at once. I stayed with the Caitlin Clark show longer yes. than the Bulls because I watched that and then I figured I'll catch up with the Bulls. So and here's another little trick for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can do that with your device or with your. Uh, uh, you service, but tell I, your TV. To, no, I do. I, I do talk you, to my I, remote. You like you, when I do yeah, that? You talk to the remote. You're you, like, do you have the remotes? Oh, they're, they're over here. And then David is like, I'm having a conversation with my remotes. Put on, Chip. Like, listen, and I'm like, Molly, wow, I, I didn't know I, you could do I, that. They listen. Okay. Apparently, they I can get, do it. They get me. I. My remotes get me. I, I mean, that's that's awesome. <laughs> There's nobody else that, in my life that I that talk to, and I get that kind of results. Yeah, even even like Alexa. If I ask, hey Alexa, and then it'll be like, uh, you know, We're, according to the internet, nobody knows the answer to your I, question. I'm not on really? good terms with Alexa. No, no. You know, when I want I'm her to, to like turn up, Alexa, turn up. It's just like she doesn't hear me. The I volume? Needed, yes. Yeah, that's so a problem. We digress. Because I was watching. Some people turn it down. That's the problem. I know. That's when a, you live with a house full of people. That's the problem. The people need to talk. I like to talk to my devices. They listen. They, they do listen. They that's, get me. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm watching. W- wait till you get your robot. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> AI. Some butler type dude. <laughs> and he's going to, like, basically, my robot will only know my grudges. But that means it's got a lot of bandwidth. We, we're going to spend a lot of time yes, together. Yes. Uh, so I was watching mostly Northwestern and Iowa women's basketball. Yeah. And the Caitlin Clark show. And the broadcast was it, – it, it was more of a routine regular season game. It didn't have that big game feel necessarily. The crowd did. It was their first sellout ever for a, for a women's basketball game. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Ever. First sellout ever. They have a pretty good program, too, though. Oh, that's, I'm yeah. not criticizing that. I'm saying that. They, that surprised it, you? Yes. But it didn't surprise me that they sold out. Mm-hmm. It surprised me that it was the first ever sellout. I would have thought, especially with, uh, with where the stadium is, it's kind of a fun thing to be able to. I know. It's not, it's, you got to walk. You know, you got to go through a neighborhood to get there. I get <laughs> it. But come on now. That's your home team. Yeah, I think, okay, that's a good observation. I, I, I never thought about it that way, actually. Um, Caitlin Clark just makes everything look easy. Yeah. And she just is a threat to score when she crosses the half-court line. I thought that it was entertaining. Uh, I don't watch a lot of women's basketball these days, but I stayed with that longer than I stayed with the Bulls. And then once it became a blowout, right? then I went to the Bulls to find out if they were going to find a way to blow their game. <laughs> You know, they were down 10 at halftime. They tried. Uh, and then the then the, the uh, Northwestern game, it was kind of beginning right before the end of the half. Mm-hmm. And you thought, oh, God, are they going to actually send the message? Yeah, hey, trade everybody. We don't really want to be here. If they had lost that game, that would have been my well, take. They can say they want to trade everybody, but they're not going to be able to trade anybody. Yeah. KC was great about that on, uh, on the air. You, you can't create a market. Unless you're just in full giveaway mode, and I don't think they're there. So they're in a tough spot. I don't think they're going to be able to make many deals. It's going to be very quiet. Kendall Gill mm. um, said that last week when he talked to us. Right. And I think you're finding out what he was talking about. So they come back. They win on the road. They needed that. The Caitlin Clark show was 
worth the price of admission, would you say? When she gets 35 oh. and 10, she delivered. She delivered. I, listen, she. it was really fun because they didn't – Iowa did not play that well early, and Northwestern was in that game, and they played hard for a while. And, it's you know, the talent difference, and she's a huge part of all of it, mm -hmm. uh, was pretty wild. And then did you hear her – like, I stayed for her interview yeah. after the game. Yeah, I did. I thought, I thought she was just great. I thought everything she said, she set these records and they're asking her about, uh, you know, did you know that you have to do this? And you're, and she was like, you know, it's it's not about, well, let's listen to what she said. I mean, you don't really think about it too much. I think you just come out every single night and play your game and have fun. And that's, you know, this is what kind of comes with it. And, you know, like I said, I'm just grateful to be able to do it with these girls. I love them to death. And these coaches, they put me in positions to be successful. And, you know, I've had a lot of really good teammates in my time here. And. Um, yeah, I, I can't do it without all of them. I can't do it without, you know, Coach Bluter letting me have the keys to the offense. And, um, you know, we play up-tempo, we play fast, we play fun basketball, and that's what it's all about. But um, it's, cool, it's cool to be in the same, the same vicinity as some of those names, a lot of people I grew up idolizing um, and looking up to. So um, definitely special for me. So she acknowledges that, you know, by becoming what, – what is she now, the second leading scorer in women's basketball history? That's yes, second all-time. She's the all-time Big Ten scoring leader. And she's more counting the game she has left with her teammates. You know, the senior lady. She's getting a little nostalgic. Coaches. I thought that it's, was it's, – it's, it's, it's what about, college sports are all about. And she talked about being and, with the, her friends and her team. I thought it was just a very mature well, think about for a 22-year-old. What we're talking about here, 22-year-old young lady yeah. and talking about a – in a college athlete whose trading card was worth $78,000. She has 1.1 social media, 1.1 million social media followers. She, it would be very easy for somebody who is experiencing all she's experiencing to lose sight and, ha and lose perspective of what's important. And yet she's talking about missing right. her teammates right. and thanking her coaches and the camaraderie. And yeah, so right. it was really it's the, the humility kind of, is impressive. It's the kind of stuff that you love in sports. You know, she's been some of these teammates she's been with uh, for four years. Right. And first of all, I think she's coming out. If anybody's wondering whether she's going to go to the WNBA, she's kind of achieved everything. I know she could probably make more money in college. And I think it's a technicality. A funny story. That she can come back. Yeah. She's, it, she's going, to the, she's going to the WNBA. Yeah, it's time. And But I loved the way that she, her attitude about it. I thought it was wonderful. And uh, I appreciated someone who's that good. And, and, I mean, people went there to see her. People mm -hmm. watched Peacock. To see her. There's no that doubt about it. it. You look at why why is Iowa women's basketball last week was on FS1. They had a national, nationally televised slot. She is a, an attraction. She is worth spending what they spent on tickets. It's worth your time watching on TV. It's it's a rare it's a rare thing. It's a phenomenon. It is. So she delivered. She's very poised. That's the thing. She's very poised, but she's competitive. You can see how there will be, you know, flashes of that where she is doesn't come across maybe as as humble as she sounds in the interviews. And she flips a switch, and she she has that mentality. You need that to be a champion the way that she is, and she's just great.
yeah, it was uh, it was a fun thing to do. It was a different thing for me because I have watched some women's basketball, but mainly like the top teams. Uh, I'm talking about this year, mm-hmm. uh, obviously the tournament stuff. But I um, I think it's going to be a great story all the way through. I mean, if it's a if it's a sudden upset when they get into the tournament, you know, things happen as you well know when it's a single game elimination. So. Is Iowa getting back? There are other teams that are rated higher than them. Yeah, are they going perhaps. to be able to win I, I, in the I tournament? I don't know. I hope it, it's a great I, I hope it's her tournament because the longer I, it's a we can story. watch, the better it is. I agree. The Peacock broadcast did not do a great job of documenting the basket when she actually broke the record Yeah, to become the Big Ten's all-time leading scorer. I think it was kind of like, oh, by the way. Yeah. And then they had oh, the math kind of mixed up. Yeah, put her in third place. Well, that, oh, that next bad. It's a good thing she has other right. milestones that she's going to accomplish yeah, and yeah. achieve because uh-huh. if she was waiting to kind of <laughs> document that one, wasn't really the one that was worth documenting because they kind of missed it a little bit. Did you uh, did you see all these texts, Dustin? A lot of people saying have her on the show. You got it, Caitlin Clark. Yeah, we should invite. That'd be great. Her on. I, I and see if she knows Rick Hahn. They're both welcome on the show. How would she know Rick Hahn? I'm just saying, we have an open invitation out to Rick. Oh, okay. And and we'd love to have him well, on. We should make a list of people who have open invitations. Anytime they want, they call, we, we'll have them on. We pretty much love everyone. <laughs> do, do we? Okay. Don't we? Yeah, for the most L- part. You know what? That's it. Well, let's get the robot in here and give them a list of people we're not having on. That guy, scratch his name out. <laughs> Phil Snow, 7.30. Oh, here we go. Dustin, you got him. Finally. We got Phil Snow today? That'd be great. (laughs) Hello, what can I tell you? Hey, you think he's AI. Hello, Molly. Hello, Ha. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Morning, boys. What's going on? Robot Biggs. He can come after Biggs. (laughs) Has anybody actually ever seen Robot Biggsy and Phil Snow in the same room? As well, I don't done. know about that. Oh, uh, that is very good. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> speaking of Northwestern, did you see Chris Collins lose it last night? He got thrown out in oh overtime. Oh my gosh! He was doing okay, but then it was like one foul too many. What what did they hit? What they had like it was forty five free throws to forty six to nine, I believe. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I think it was a it, it was it was very big well, they, disparity. But they have this giant guy and. You're going to have him go to the rim, and there's going to be six people, like, hanging on him. Even with Zach Eady in the middle, there shouldn't be that kind of a disparity. It was 46-8, to eight, I believe. Okay. Yeah, a 38-shot disparity. And it was really one of those things. that it, Over the past 25 seasons, it was the largest free throw attempt gap in Big Ten conference games. <laughs> and, and Chris Collins got, got his money's worth. Why did Chris get upset? <laughs> discrepancy in free throws on your exit out is that what provoked a lot of that i'm not going to go into the officiating you know we have great officiating um i just don't know if i've ever seen uh, a box score like that honestly i've been you know you guys i don't know you guys have been doing this too a lot of you guys have been covering i don't know if you've ever seen a disparity like that in a big 10 game um which is like purdue obviously we we're fouling that much i mean I feel like we're aggressive, though, too. You know, I felt like, I mean, Boo Booey doesn't shoot a free throw in the game. That's 
Wow. It's kind of crazy, um, but that's how the game's called. I mean, wow. Here's what I love most about that, though. He, he goes ballistic and gets tossed with like a couple seconds left in the game. Right. He's egging on the crowd because obviously there is that 46 to 8 disparity. And then he gets to the post game, and I love Chris Collins. He says, I don't want to say anything about the officiating. I don't want to say well, nothing about the officiating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really? That's exactly why you lost it. And he had, you know, coaches t- pick their spots. That was a good spot to pick if you want to make a point. Yeah. Boo Booey not getting to the line and them losing in overtime to one of the best teams in America it's a tough place to play, but Mackey can be intimidating. And I'm going full with you. Those refs might have had a thing in their head. Big Ten sent them to assure a win. No, no. It might have happened. I'm just making a joke. That's what Molly says. What I oh, I said that about the officiating oh, crew I'm, I'm in the getting, AFC yeah. Championship. I pointed out, as did Rich Goslin, that it was a little bit of a aid to one of the two teams. I, I didn't. That's all I pointed out. I didn't say and when you watched the game, it didn't seem it seemed like you were dealing with a very undisciplined team. It wasn't right. the, the officials trying to call uh, something on them. But I, I will say this that um when you get thrown out of an overtime game and you people have to ask you, was oh, look how he went. Well, hey, did you hear that's the most disparity in free throws in the in the history of the Big Ten? Well, well, let's ask him about like he his getting thrown out brought that to the attention of all the officials right. in the Big Ten. Right, and I think that had purpose, and right. I don't think that's why it was an accidental. I think it's a good move. It's a good move. Chris Collins is a smart coach, oh, and he used the word disparity. <laughs> well, he, he he does coach at Northwestern. <laughs> that's right. And have, he went to Duke. And he went to Duke. He's a Dukey <laughs> uh, who now works at Northwestern, so he, he's very good in the vocabulary department. And he also understands the attention that would create because – they did maybe deserve better than that. They would still had a chance to win. If if Bowie's shot goes in, they're celebrating. They have Purdue. They played Purdue really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've beaten them they a beat couple them. times. Beat them at home in Evanston, where they had the refs on their side apparently. But they, they go to Mackey. They rushed the court. I know. I remember they that. Winning that game. They two years in a row. That's right. Zach Eady gets a lot of calls, but he's going to because he's such a giant guy. You, that's a that's a tough team to beat in that environment. Mm. I I like Chris Collins and what they're able to do. They're going to be um, they're going to be a team that I think goes back to back NCAA tournaments. Maybe make some noise. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that, that's great. College basketball. Good night last night to watch it. Yes, I totally agree. Agree with uh, what you're saying. I'm going uh, on Sunday. There's a Where? noon game, Davidson's at Loyola. Oh, Loyola. Yes. They're having a pretty good year. They're having a decent year. They're, I think they're third in the A-10 right now. They only had – they have four wins last year, and they got like seven or eight already. Are you going as fan or honoree? Oh, I'm going as fan. Okay. Thank you. Thank wanted... you very much. <laughs> I'm just asking you, you came for clarity. To my, you came to my moment about a year ago, at, yeah. by halftime. Yeah, that, thank you very much, David. You're a good man. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm going to be sitting in the stands. I'm looking forward to it. I've got a good friend of mine, and we're gonna go and watch a little basketball. Acknowledge well, you don't have to acknowledge anything, but mm-hmm. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Second year in the Atlantic Ten, we worried about the jump to that 
conference and what that would mean for Loyola basketball. Last year, not so good. This year, yeah, they got surprised. No, no, I think they knew what they needed, and I think playing in a different league uh, with more size and and different uh, styles of play, I think it it kind of, you know, they went out and they got um, some immediate help. They got a really good freshman recruit, and they got um, this sophomore kid who's kind of really uh, coming into his own, and they got a junior. So it's while they're going to lose their graduate students, they got like four guys in graduate school, uh, and but they will they will have a pretty decent. They got like a core that looks pretty good to me. I, now I don't know how everything works with NIL and transferring and all that stuff. So I hope they all stay, but they look good to me. That's good to see because you like to see that pro good program stay on top, especially in the city Loyola. You know, yep. you, well. when they when they did take advantage of the success in the Missouri Valley, you wondered if they were what the move to that conference was gonna was going to mean. Yeah, to their program, and they're able the ability to maintain it. Uh, pretty pretty impressive. You mentioned NIL quickly. I don't think it's on the pick six, but it's worth talking about. Sure. Were you surprised? This affects the Bears because it affects the Packers. Mm-hmm. The Packers hired a defensive coordinator. I, Jeff Halfley yes. is the Boston College head coach. Now the former incredible. Boston College head coach. It, that's unbelievable. So so Alabama got two head coaches to jump to that Buffalo program. and South Alabama, those head coaches both left their head coaching yes. jobs to join college coordinator positions with with Power Five conferences. They left head coaching jobs at right. mid-majors. Head coaching jobs. Yes. Normally, if you're leaving a head coaching job, you're doing it to get to the next level. These guys are jumping into coordinator positions that could well lead them to uh, to a, to another level as Power a head Five coach. coordinator position. So right. you get that. But right. this is a, this is an NFL coordinator position. You're going from right. a Power Five conference. Boston yes. College is not South Alabama. It is not Buffalo. This is interesting because of what it says about how difficult it has become to navigate the NIL, the transfer portal, and everything that comes with being a Power 5 head coach when you are essentially could be preparing players, coaching players, winning with players or losing with players who are going to leave you. Wow. And you have no control over that. Yeah. that I think that is very interesting. The, the, you know, when you get to three, you got a trend, okay? Don't don't mess with the trend, and and that's now the third guy. That it's also kind of worrisome that the Packers are you know they had to give him something right. They, they had probably be, had to pay him quite a bit of money. Well, you would imagine to leave a head coach to leave position. Boston College. Yeah. What's interesting too is that Jeff Halfley was on Dave Wanstead's staff at Pittsburgh. Right. He's his right. guy. Dave knows, and he was obviously proud of his ascent to become a head coach at Boston College. Sure. This is not a small job. He's leaving. Boston College is a big, you know, what's his name? Tom Coughlin coached Tom there. Tom Coughlin. That's where I was going. Tom Coughlin coached I, there. Beat Notre when Dame. When I said what's his name, I meant Tom Coughlin. I knew who you meant. I knew who you meant. Tom Coughlin was great coach. Always early. Great was, coach. Oh, yeah. 1993, beat Notre Dame. Use that as a platform to right. move on to bigger and better things. Right. No, he was a uh, he First was thing a you really think about when you think of Tom Coughlin. I, I think about a couple of interactions that I had with him. Okay. And um, it, it, I know, think about I, Lambeau I, Field when his face was red. I was there. Were you there yes. at that game? 
Yes. Um, you know who else? When I got in the car, my car, I parked across the street from the stadium yeah. against a tree because I thought the tree could block some of the wind. <laughs> and then I get in the car, and it's like, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then it turned over. It was 20 degrees How, below zero. He had, they, how's the wind? How's the tree going to help you? Vaseline on his face. I'm just saying. I was like, I thought, well. How big was the tree? I, it was a nice, large, you know. It, it would. I, I'm, I didn't count its rings. Trees don't I block kill the wind. Tree. The leaves on the trees may block it, the wind. The tree was like a wall. Okay. Okay. So I parked against a wall. The tree was a wall. And there were there were several cars that. People couldn't start and get out of there with. It was that cold that day, <laughs> and um, yeah, he had he put Vaseline on his face, right? Wasn't that? Yes, it? he did, and to, to kill the wind or something. They beat Brett Favre in the Packers. Just had this red face. Brett Favre threw a couple picks in that game. He helped him out. Yeah. Made Tom Coughlin's career even better. Right. But you're right in pointing that out. Tom Coughlin coached at Boston right. College. It is not a small job. I don't know if you've been to Boston College. Oh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Beautiful campus. campus. And that place, believe it or not, started out as more of a commuter school, and then they got Doug Flutie. And I'm not making this up. You can look up the numbers. They had Doug Flutie, a quarterback, <laughs> and all of a sudden the enrollment goes Heisman Trophy bounce. The, it goes through absolutely. the roof. No doubt about it. And all of a sudden, they, you know, and then now they've built up that campus, and nobody is My memory of Boston commuting. College being there was one year – Boston College beat Notre Dame. They tore down the goalposts. I was on the field after the game trying to get to Bob Davey because I just had to have that quote. And I almost got hit by a bunch of kids carrying a goalpost. Like, oh, man, that was close. It could have been tragic. Remember when Northwestern lost, like, I don't know how many games in a row. They just couldn't win. And they finally won a game. Uh, the, the fans went over and tore down the goalposts. They laked the post. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they did that. I. I was there. You were at that game? I was at that you game. You were carrying the, the goalpost? I, I was one of the guys that was holding a goalpost. I went to Loyola. We used to go there for football games. Why, why would you, a we Loyola didn't have a guy? a football team. I, so, I knew some people. You knew there. some people? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, no, but I'm, I wasn't working. I wasn't a. I, I hey, actually, you got Mulligan to play soccer for a little? Oh, yeah, come on yeah. in. I, well, we got a seat for you. I, I did. What's weird is I did. Uh, You're taller than I thought. Yeah. I, uh, I went, we went, we tore down the goalposts. I, I mean, I just assisted, and then I realized, like, wow, I could get in huge trouble. What am I doing? Those you can know? be dangerous to, when, when transported. It can hit people. Yeah. Can, you it's have just, to watch where you're weird. going. I got out of it. I, I, I Smart. dropped it. I dropped my section and ran. Because <laughs> people were screaming. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, I don't mind the good crowd action. You know, back in the day, I was uh, – more of a force of nature than I am now. <laughs> I would just jump in. Rush the capital? Okay, let's go. Beat you there. There weren't many, there weren't many victories where they were tearing down goalposts. No, it, that, it was the yes. first time it had happened. Yeah, and I, so, I, I think that's, uh, that's a tradition that there hasn't been. They haven't done that in a long time. Long time. Anyway, that was an interesting story. The Boston College head yeah. coach leaving for the Packers. All right, we we've got to get into we got to get to a break. We got the pick six next. We're gonna pick apart all the stories of the day, and uh, and we'll have some fun with it. It's Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio six seven. 
It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. What did you make of the Bulls' comeback victory over the Hornets? Did the 117-110 to win make up for the wretched loss to Toronto the night before? What is the message that this team is sending to management as the deadline approaches? Yeah, that's a good question. I thought the message was going to be more negative, frankly, when they were uh, losing that game. I was just like, Are you got to be kidding me. And then I was thinking, that's the second of a back-to-back. And then, and then Kobe White really went off and um, – and did it for his uh, home state, and that helped a ton. I think the, um, I think the message, frankly, is go ahead and make a move. I, I, I think this team needs to do something, and you know, Io is playing much better, and and uh, Kobe is obviously getting much better, but they, it's it's just we need different we need something to change they're they're entertaining enough if they win a game i'm not entertained when you lose to toronto so you you don't want to prolong uh or end losing streaks you want to beat teams you're supposed to but i i think the message with the bulls is that it's not working entirely correctly and maybe maybe they don't need to get everything they want maybe they just need to make a deal we're number nine. We're number nine. <laughs> We're number nine. I mean, they're they're just they're maddening like that. They get a couple of days off. They had to have that win last night. They had to have that. It gets everybody off their back. They'll be on the score on Sunday night. I think the message is we need to get healthy. Nobody likes to acknowledge that because it does sound a lot like an excuse. But no Patrick Williams, no Zach Levine, no Torrey Craig. You, know, you look at the guys that they're missing, and it's very difficult to get a complete picture with an incomplete roster. So I think, in fairness, the message they're sending is that we're trying to hold on because we want to be relevant again. And I think that if the, you would ask players and you get the sense out of that locker room that they do want to stay intact. They don't want to see a team dismantled for the sake of dismantling. And I understand the frustration. There's a lot of Bulls fatigue because they are frustrating. But once they get healthy, they'll be in that 8, 9, 10 spot. Maybe they can get better, play well, go on a run, and be 6 or 7. I don't think that this season's going to end well, but I don't also think they're going to find very many takers at the trade deadline. They're going to have to stand pat. This message last night, if you want to read into something, it's like make Kobe White the bigger focus. This guy can sure, handle sure. the responsibility. He is a scoring machine. When he gets going, and he can do it a lot of different ways, the ascension of Kobe White is becoming the story of this season. You know how that would work? Trade him to Charlotte. (laughs) Oh, that's a great question. What did you think of Caitlin Clark's show? Did it live up to the hype? What was your lasting impression? A lot of hype. I, did it live up to it? She was 3-for-12 from three-point range. Mm -hmm. There'll be people who say it didn't because of that, but she scored 35 points. Mm -hmm. She had 10 assists. Her team blew out Northwestern. So this is the traveling road show that is the Caitlin Clark show, and it did meet the hype. In my mind, it's got to be difficult to be 22 years old and every arena you go into is full and everyone's, most people are there to see you. 
every team is devising defenses to stop you and the pressure that she handles like a pro with grace, with humility. That made it worth the effort, and I think everything you hear from her, everything you see from her, make you want to see more of her. So, absolutely, there are a lot of memories. People drove for hours. They spent a small fortune in some cases to get in that building to make it worth their while, and she made it worth everybody's time because, yeah, the, the broadcast have some time. There was a volume off, and they missed the, the milestone. There are things we could find to nitpick, but overall, a special night for women's basketball fans and a great night for the sport. I'm sure it was much better in person than it was on my couch. Because it was bad on my couch. I sent a text to you guys, and mm. the response was, the game hasn't even started yet. I said, that's the point. They're introducing Caitlin Clark, and you can't even hear. I mean, you, I, I could teach you at the Illinois Media School how to do things much better than they know how to do at Peacock. Dustin, I was not going to bring that up. But since Why you not? did, since you, since you did, because I didn't want to embarrass the fact that you, you, you bailed early. before the opening tip. You were upset. I didn't with the bail. Pod- I was complaining. I was complaining and moaning. I wasn't even on there yet. I was getting. I was telling, talking to my remote, play Peacock, and you were like, yeah, "This, this stinks." What stunk? What was it? You, David, you couldn't. They were doing the player introductions. It's Caitlin Clark, and you can't even hear it. Then they like turn the lights off, and they're going to introduce Northwestern, and nothing happened. It's like, what are, what are we doing here? All right, I'm sorry. That, that I got to tell you, that was funny. It was, it was a nice exchange. I, I told David, you know, we're sitting there watching Caitlin Clark, and, and I have a daughter, Caitlin, and now the her name is spelt with a Y. It's a different name. But my wife, as we were watching the game, sent me these photos of my daughter when she was 10 playing at Wells Rhine Arena. They had this, you know, they had this little thing where they went down there and they got Northwestern stuff and they – had a little tournament game, and I gotta tell you, I, I, you know, from that point on, I mean, one, I, now I'm thinking about You're my in. kid. You're like, in. What am I? You You're know, in your feelings. I'm locked in the yeah. whole damn thing, and I, and I started thinking about her and her career, and you know, then she talks in the post game about the the season ticking away and her, you know, how much she enjoys it. Like, are you looking at how many? So she's not counting points. She's not counting missed shots. She's counting the number of days she's going to have with her team. And and as anyone who has played college sports understands that there's a finality to your career when you run out of eligibility. Yeah. Now, she still has another year, but that's it. But you it's know, different. get a degree. It's just a different. Yeah. You have that's a, a good observation. A, a different feeling. Yeah. That's not, she's great. Question for you guys real quick. Now that the Bears have hired their new OC and the entire coaching staff, can you say with any certainty whether or not it's an upgrade? Would the quarterback have to remain in place to know for sure? How will we ever really know if it's an upgrade if they draft a quarterback with the first overall pick? Yeah, I I mean, determining how good this coaching staff is, um, I go back to the Supreme Court's definition of pornography. You know it when you see it. So, I think whether it's Justin Fields and we and we can do like a, a kind of play-by-play breakdown of uh, the Luke Getze era. By the way, he's interviewing for a couple of jobs. Good to see him get three some jobs: action. Patriots, Saints, That's and right. Raiders. Right, good for him. Um, but I think that that um, what's interesting to me 
in and um, I just want to see them succeed, and I want to see them have like a proper offense and run plays and do things where you 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 know this guy is there, Ben Johnson, right? You want to feel like everybody is rowing in the same direction, and that is you're bringing in everything to support whomever it is you're bringing in, and that's what it will determine their success. Well, anything is an upgrade over Luke Getzey. That was that was that was a train wreck in my opinion. So this is, and I, I like the fact that you've got a, a guy who, you know, Luke Getzey didn't call plays until he got to Chicago, right. and I think that's I think that's the biggest thing we will notice, no matter who the quarterback is, is the guy calling the plays has actually done the job before. Bingo. That's exactly why you feel better about this offensive staff than you felt in a while. The Bears actually did something they rarely do. They hired somebody for a job that they have done before. They come in with experience. You're not teaching them. They're not beholden to you. They have actual experience play calling. Shane Waldron's done it. Thomas Brown's highly qualified as a passing game coordinator. Kerry Joseph has a good reputation. I don't know what impact that Kerry Joseph can have on a young quarterback, but, hey, they they like his experience. He has a good reputation. Luke Getze came in here with the reputation but not the results from experience, and it turned out to be a big problem. So I do like where the staff is headed. I think they did all they could do. We have capable guys. They're competent guys. They're respected guys. Now let's find out who they're going to be coaching and calling plays for because it still remains – it's more about the player than it is the play caller, more about the player than the coach, but this staff gives you reason to be optimistic if you're a Bears fan. Yeah, I'm not talking necessarily about a pick six or something like that. That is the voice of Brad Big, 7 a.m., big time. What do you make of the Seahawks hiring former Ravens defense coordinator Mike McDonald as their new head coach? Is it a coincidence? Coincidence? <laughs> That McDonald is 36 and he replaces a 72-year-old in Pete Carroll, a guy literally two times his age, with Seattle going from the oldest coach in the league to the youngest coach in the league. This is a remarkable story. It really is because of that fact that you could look at half his age. They hired somebody half Pete Carroll's age. Now, due respect with, to Mike McDonald, he could be great. And he's one of the bright, young assistant coaches in the league. I'm surprised they went with a defensive head coach again. I'm surprised that they went with a 36-year-old head coach to replace a 72-year-old head coach. I'm surprised they went with a guy who hasn't done it before with Mike Vrabel, for example, on the market. I don't know what they're looking for in Seattle, but I have been surprised overall at this head coaching cycle in the NFL. I don't know what these owners are thinking. I don't know what they're doing. What's wrong with Bill Belichick? What's wrong with Mike Vrabel? They fired Pete Carroll? Really? Why? So Mike McDonald wouldn't get away? I think they could all work out well, but I would be skeptical, and I do wonder. I think Mike McDonald has a great pedigree. Michigan, the Ravens, he comes highly recommended, highly regarded. But what's going on in the National Football League this offseason? You look around at the hires, and I don't think anybody expected them to be the guys who got hired especially with the guys who didn't. I think this is all about the Harbaugh effect. He's got not one but two Harbaugh, Harbaugh stinks on him. Coach for both John and Jim. Everybody loves the Harbaugh. I mean, I, it, it, everybody loves Travis Kelsey right now and the Chiefs or hates them. 
and I think maybe the Harbaugh's are the same, but Harbaugh's the second biggest thing in the NFL right now. So if you've been within five feet of these guys and you can coach a little bit, you're attractive. And I think that's what this hire is all about. Um, you know, I think this guy's a good coach. Uh, he is stepping into a new job at a, at a you know different job and a difficult one. And it'll be a fun thing to see. They gave him a six-year deal. Um, they want him to age in the job like Pete Carroll did. I think it's wild that you've got the now the youngest coach in the league and you had the oldest coach in the league. And you know who's the second oldest coach in the league is 71-year-old Bill Belichick. And he was replaced by now the second youngest coach in the league in uh, Jared Mayo, who is 16 months older than, um, than, than McDonald. It's just it's just weird that two of these long-standing successful franchises are going from the from the you know and I I'm not calling ageism I don't know what it is but they're going from an older coach to a very young coach so you're going from a guy that has kind of that knows everything and has done everything to a guy that's kind of you know you're going to be learning those are both young first-time head coaches you're going to be learning on the job. And I think they want the difference, the energy they want. And, and Pete Carroll had a ton of energy. And I don't think Bill's problem was energy. I think they just they picked the wrong players too often. But I, I think you're right, David. The idea that you got Hall of Fame head coaches that are just sitting there and no one wants to talk. I think it's very interesting, too, in light of what we talked about yesterday with the college programs like Michigan and Notre Dame and Ohio State and Northwestern promoting from within internal hires you look around the national football league this hiring cycle it's a very similar phenomenon the big names are out the new guys are in it's a trend that's an amazing way to ask me that question (laughs) (laughs) what would you prefer the cubs to do at third base in 2024 risk overpaying for free agent gold glover matt chapman potentially blocking prospects for the next couple of years or cobble together a serviceable platoon system uh, comprised of Christopher Morrell, Nick Madrigal, Michael Bush, Patrick Wisdom, till the prized prospect, Matt Shaw, is ready? I think it's an excellent question because the the prospect problem is guys are what we're talking about in the NFL, learning on the job. And when you get a vet, you know, Chapman's a really good player. He's a really good player, and he's going to help you. So the question then becomes, are you relying on too many guys without enough experience, and should you get a guy there for a year or two that you know is good? I think they'll go platoon, frankly. I, I just don't I don't know how much money they want to spend. But I think what they should do is bring in the professional. And, and I, I, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, we talked a lot about Bellinger and how much money he wants and how why not give him like a short-term deal? Why not is if he would take like you know a really nice upfront two years with an option for the third, he could get back on the market and still be young and maybe if he has kind of an NBA NBA an MVP style um season he's put a couple of those together and now you don't have people worrying that he's gonna oh he's coming right back down oh, 
it, it, it'll be, it could be to his benefit. I, I, I would try to do that with him if, if it took that, if he were worried about spending $200 million. Well, I don't think Cub fans will see Matt Chapman and Cody Bellinger in Cubs uniforms in 2024. I don't think this is anything to do about blocking Matt Shaw. I mean, Matt Shaw just got drafted. We have no idea what Matt Shaw is going. There's a long time till Matt Shaw is, and David's scoffing at that idea. Then, then play him now. Then play him next week, David. You know, if they're playing Sunday, pencil him in your lineup. You're the guy who said PCA is going to be the biggest star in Chicago in five years. I did. Before he played it, even one inning of Major League Baseball. I could have just went along with everybody else and sent Connor Bedard and had a really boring No, 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 no. That has nothing to do with Connor Bedard. But, but, but who knows? My, my, my point is, is he, that. He can't hit right now. But, uh, I, 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 fair enough. And I, I'm not giving up on PCA. Mm-hmm. But my point is that prospects create hope because they have promise. They have potential. I don't, I'm not writing off Matt Shaw. And certainly the Cubs are. He's the 54th best prospect in Major League Baseball, according to MLB Pipeline, he was drafted last June, 13th overall. This kid is my new kind of preoccupation in the Cubs system. I can't wait for him to get to the Major Leagues. I don't know how fast it'll be. It'll probably be a little bit delayed. But I do think that if you if you sign Matt Chapman to a five-year contract... Then you're making a massive mistake. I mean, Matt Chapman's not getting a five-year hold contract. Hold on there. What do you mean he's not going to get a five-year contract? I'll bet you, you anybody, sign? anything you want to bet... That no matter where Matt Chapman signs, his next contract, okay. his very next contract, right. will be for less than five years. And what are you going to pay him? You're going to pay him a lot of money per per season. Are you you don't think that if the Cubs sign Matt Chapman that they're going to be blocking Matt Shaw? I mean, Matt Shaw is on the way. How, how old is Matt Shaw? I mean, how close is he? He's he he played in 38 games last year and he was hitting all over the place. Yeah. He may be a year away. Yeah. Okay, so this year, could you get Matt Chapman on a one- or two-year deal? Yes. I don't know, Dustin. If you could, pay him. Pay him all he's worth because this season, every season is sacred. He's 22 right I don't, now. I don't think you're going to oh. be able to do that. Shaw's 22? Well, he's getting close. Yeah, Chapman's not. Yep, Shaw's 22. Yep. Wow. So Shaw is close. Yeah. Big Ten Player of the Year, Maryland. All right, let's move on. Terrific question. <laughs> Need to get that answer. Don't have it for you today. Uh, Our guy Bruce Levine floated the idea of the White Sox, much like a few teams like the Brewers have done recently, locking up their top prospects by signing Colson Montgomery to an 8- to 10-year contract to give him security and the Sox cost control. You like that idea? I have to say, Bruce stopped me in my tracks when he said that. I don't like the idea. I'm not quite sure why, but I think it's a long commitment to a lot of maybes. So I want to go back to the idea. Yes, Colson Montgomery is the ninth-rated prospect in Major League Baseball, the best prospect in, in Chicago baseball. But eight to ten years is a long time. I would maybe tap the brakes. I would maybe wait to see. You don't know who's going to be owning the team. You don't know where you're going to be playing baseball. It could be in the South Loop. It could be in the uh, 35th and Shields. It could be in Nashville. You just don't know. Oh, come on. I'm just teasing about the Nashville part. That's but I would probably stay away from Colson Montgomery in a long-term contract. That would scare me. You know who's closer to playing in the big leagues? <laughs> Colson Montgomery. Didn't they make this mistake with a bunch of their young guys already when the former now open invitation Rick Hahn can come on anytime he wants and talk about it? They, 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 they did this before. Yep. They, they've done this, and it did it work? No. Right. So, Well, it, it might have worked with Luis Robert. You know, you're not trading him right now. Otherwise, he'd be gone. So I think the answer to this question has to do with ownership. 
I mean, are they selling the White Sox to a team that will spend money? Is there some billionaire floating around on the south side I don't know about that has decided he'll buy the White Sox? Because I would imagine this ownership will not last eight more years. No. So would I give him an eight- to ten-year deal? If if Jerry and his group owns the team, I think you have to because otherwise you're not going to be able to keep the guy. Um, it's the only way they could keep him. So, yeah, i do it. And then the new owners can decide whether they got the coin to keep the guy. Having him under a long-term contract, to, to add to your point, might make the team more attractive if you have young talent secured for the long term. Especially, how, how old is Colson Montgomery? You know, I, 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 think he, um, I think he's headed to, he's 21 now, but doesn't he have a birthday February 27th? Wow. So, so he'll be 22. You start shopping already? I'm going to get him something. <laughs> it's the 1st of February. Get him must, a major league jersey. I, I I'm just saying he'll be 22 you, you like just, Shaw at the beginning of the season. You just know everybody's birthday who has a February birthday. <laughs> you just know all the February birthdays. Well, I think because, it's a wild coincidence. Yes, yeah, wild coincidence. You know all Jerry the February Angelo birthdays. has the same birthday as uh, there, there's like five or ten people that work for the Bears that had the same birthday. And, and as who? As uh, Jerry Angelo. As anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I can, okay. I can rattle off names. All right. Yeah. Happy birthday a week John from tomorrow, Post. Jerry Angelo. Yeah. Uh, Morocco Brown, who worked <laughs> for the Bears, born on February 9th. <laughs> I believe both his parents were born on February 9th. Okay. They, they, he tops the February 9th birthday over Jerry. Uh, the two most famous guys that I know that were born on February 9th. Exactly right. Great day for football, let's be <laughs> honest. Football, right. football, football. <laughs> <laughs> we got the extra point next. Molly and Hall at the score. All right, let's move on. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Molly and Haw on 670 The Score. A Chicago sports stadium question. Do you think the White Sox pursuit of a ballpark in the South Loop is or will be at all related to the Bears likely leaving Soldier Field? How about how much debt do you have a doubt about this? Do you have about the Bears actually leaving Soldier Field and the city after reports this week that they are $100 million apart with the suburban school districts on the value of the Arlington Heights property? Big picture question. This is a tough needle to thread for... Mayor Brandon Johnson, for Bears President Kevin Warren, for Arlington Heights officials, for Jerry Reinsdorf, and everybody looking at the White Sox and the Bears and the city and what's happening. A couple things I think to keep in mind. The Bears paid $197 million for a 326-plot of land in Arlington Heights. It's hard for me to envision that just not mattering or that being sold again or being redeveloped in a different way. I still think that's a huge factor in this, and I still think Arlington Heights is the huge favorite for the Bears stadium. Now, there's a lot of ground to cover. There's a $100 million difference in sort of the uh, property tax and that the school districts and that dispute. If I'm Arlington Heights, I'm holding my ground because the Bears – may think they have leverage in staying in Soldier Field and say, staying in, in sh- the city of Chicago. I don't know if that's as easy as it sounds. Not at all. I think they want to move, and they have reasons to move, and it's financially wise for them to move. 
So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Now, if you're Mayor Brandon Johnson, do you want to be the mayor that loses the Bears? And then, you know, the, don't you have to do something if you, if you can improve the, the state of the White Sox? You have an opportunity in the South Loop to develop that land at the 78. A lot of things have to happen to fall into place. We heard the commissioner baseball is behind the movement. We've heard a creative financing plan that could perhaps limit the tax burden and not put any more on the taxpayer, which is very important. But I I don't think they're tied necessarily together with, boy, you can't possibly lose the Bears to Arlington Heights, so you have to react to the White Sox going to the 78 in the South Loop. I think – the White Sox going to the South Loop is independently a very creative and smart idea. Try to get that done. The Bears, I want. I think is obviously you could connect the dots, but I don't know that they're that connectable in this case. I think that they're probably still going to be leaving the city, and I think the White Sox still could be on the move, and both things would make sense. Yeah, I think both things make sense. If anything, I think the Bears have set a compass if you will. I mean, the White Sox can't be owned by Jerry Reinsdorf forever. The Bears, well, who knows if they're going to be owned by the McCaskies forever. But a stadium with the team makes your franchise worth so much more money. I still think there's a 50-50 shot the Bears end up staying in Chicago, but not at Soldier Field. (sighs) You know, I I think you got to do a little critical thinking here. And this isn't as complex a subject as you imagine. Um, The Bears are going to make a fortune with this new building. And, you know, the value of the franchise is going to be through the roof, without question. Uh, And I know that it sounds like a ridiculous amount of money, but $100 million is not nearly as bad as they're pretending it is. And it's not nearly the type of thing that's going to – stop the construction here. I'm with you, David. I think if you really look at the subject and break it down, I think that that the Bears don't have any leverage. You know, they weren't there. So whatever they're going to build there would be great, but let's see what it is. You, you, you You can't sit here and, oh, God, we don't get the Bears. There are people that don't want it. So you, the Bears are going to have to pay the price, whatever that may be. And I think that they don't have the kind of leverage they may think they do. And I think the community probably has the leverage because they can call their shot on this, and ultimately it's not a, it's not a ridiculous one. I know it sounds like a lot of money. They're going to make that money, uh, you know, in, in a year, for God's sake. It, they're going to be printing money. They're going to have too much money. they got to open a new account. <laughs> Switzerland. <laughs> and the White Sox are, I think, a separate issue there. Yes. Because them pursuing this or looking into moving to the South Loop enhances the value of their franchise immediately. Everything that we said about the Bears once they bought the land at Arlington Heights and the value of their franchise multiplying overnight, I think it's, it's maybe not as – Big of a multiplier if you're the White Sox, but it certainly is a significant one, Molly. I think yeah, you look at what that does for the price of the franchise, the value it, 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 makes it easier to sell. Yes. You look at what's going on with the Baltimore Orioles sold for $1.75 billion. 
And you see why Jerry so, Reinsdorf would be motivated to do that. This, it, for, for, from a Bears uh, perspective, you, you're talking about, I don't know, maybe one of the highest price tags in the NFL. I mean, it's really going to be, if you build your version of Jerry World and own the Chicago Bears and you want to sell that, you can keep part of it if you want, keep 20% of ownership so you have your seasons, and then give away the rest You're of it to someone with one of the top three no most question. valuable franchises in the National yeah. Football League. Yeah, and then you could really build yeah. things up. So uh, that's something. As far as the Sox are concerned, you know, it's it's almost it's almost shocking to me that they've come up with something that seems like a perfect fit. I, as I keep saying, when does the other shoe drop? Because. This idea, habit. this is really high concept. This mm-hmm. is a great idea. Move them there. They, you've, got a, you've got a space for them. You can build a little neighborhood around it, and that will raise up a lot of area that is not being used at this point. It's been debated on what effect that could have just on the attendance alone because of the proximity and oh, geography. I do think that because Chicago is – has is the third largest city in in the in the United States that you just have the population factor yes. that would contribute yes. to your attendance growth, right? I mean, you're not Pittsburgh. You you yeah, you want to be good as a franchise on the field that will bring people into your ballpark, but you're bigger than it didn't happen with the Pirates because Pittsburgh doesn't have the population Chicago does. You you might have a population in the South Loop that is not necessarily a, a baseball base, but you would bring people. Hey, just walk down the street here and yeah. check this out. You you would bring in, you would build your fan base because you're not going to lose the you know the the people you're trying to drive away. Does everybody that go to Wrigley have to be a Cub fan? No, no, you, no. You go to Wrigley because it's an awesome experience and it's like the top uh, tourist attraction mm. in the in the country. Who doesn't love beer and sunshine? I mean, I, I forget who what the name was on the jersey, but some guy had a Houston Astros jersey with a, a name from, you know, the 70s. And you're just laughing. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm just checking out ballparks. <laughs> I, I, when I was talking to him. I, I mean, it's great. It's great. You, I always walk up to guys that have jerseys on that are begging you to ask them a question. Well, you know, yeah. Why are you wearing a Rick Meyer jersey? <laughs> From his hometown. It's a random. Why do you have to pick out a Hoosier? Because I, I saw a bunch of those jerseys on sale at the place. All right, we got uh, we got a special guest joining us next. We're going to talk to Chris Bogosian of the Chicago Tribune. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio six seven. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We are delighted to welcome in a good friend of both of ours, a guy we've been lucky enough to work with, a guy with a deep understanding of a lot of complex subjects. Chris Bogosian is the Tribune Associate Sports Editor, and he joins us now on The Score Hotline, which, of course, is powered by... BetQL. No, wait a minute. I'm reading the wrong line for some reason. By IBEW Local 9. Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. 
Chris, it's early. You step on uh, on your own foot sometimes. How are you, buddy? Morning, Chris. Uh, morning, boys. What's going on? Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the question. There's uh, big news going on with the Chicago Tribune. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are up against and uh, what the plan is for today. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Um, it's great talking to you. Um, so, yeah, us, uh, we're Chicago Tribune Guild and then a, a bunch of uh, other journalists at, at, at uh, Tribune Publishing Papers across the country. Um, we're on strike today. Started at six thirty or 5 a.m., I'm sorry, and goes till 5 a.m. Uh, tomorrow. And, um, you know, we're, we're currently, we've been in negotiations with Alden Global Capital. Well, before them, too, but uh, uh, for the most part, Alden Global Capital uh, for our first contract. Been bargaining for more than five years. It's coming up on six freaking years, and um, we're pretty fired up. They're, they, they, they're slow walking the, uh, the negotiations. Um, I, was, I was front and center in those negotiations, first as part of the bargaining team, then I was bargaining uh, team chief for the better part of a year. It was painstaking, man. Um, and and so you know they're, they're um, you know we're not asking for <laughs> we're down to the, uh, the the last uh, the last big issues here right we're down to money we're down to 401k they want to cut our the the 401k match they don't want to give us raises they uh, they want to give us uh, two years of fifteen hundred dollar bonuses um, and you know we we also did a pay study. Um, um, several months ago where we, we showed the disparity between um, women uh, uh, get paid far, far less than, than men and, and um, minorities get paid far less than white journalists. And we want, um, we're asking for, um, you know, for them to, to correct that. So um, there's a lot going on here and um, they're not budging. And, and this is just a sign of solidarity. Now, listen, we had, in our unit alone at the Chicago Tribune, 90, more than 97% of us voted yes to the strike vote. That's pretty amazing when you think about mm-hmm. it. Um, and um, like I said, there was about 240 of us uh, nationwide at, at other Tribune papers who are who are doing this, including our friends at uh, the design and production studio who put together the print edition. Um, so it's just a it's a really good sign of solidarity, uh, and uh, you know we we just want to get a message through to Alden Global Capital that that um, that we mean business. Chris, you know you're talking to two newspaper guys and former newspaper guys who respect the cause and and hope that this improves, and also understand the mentality that this must be difficult for news people to walk away from potentially news being made what happens today if there is a big story what happens today if there's a sports development what happens today if there is sports news without anybody putting together a sports section um that's a good question no there are a few you know non-union people the management that that would have to adjust and react and try to try to put together and they'll they'll try to do what they can to put together a print edition today as it is um but yeah, no, we're on strike. So if there's a big story, if you know, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make up a story. But you know, sure. uh, anything, uh, you know, uh, yeah, what a, you know, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. there could day. be a, 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 
uh, you know, it, it would be great. Trade, just to prove to know, them how it would be great. Bellinger, whatever the case may be. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. No, that's that's AP. You know, Associated Press. There's our wire service that goes into the Chicago Tribune, and it just would go to show them that, um, wow. you know, how vital we are and how we vi- how vital we are to their. We're the ones who make them money, right? Mm-hmm. We're the ones who are are lining their pocketbooks, that and it's not coming back to us. We're the ones, you know, the Brad Biggs, Dan Weeder, Colleen Kane on the Bears. You know, I could go on and on. I don't. I shouldn't have started listing names because I, I, I believe in every one of our journalists covering uh, the respective sports and and respective teams. And um, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what happens if they do sign Bellinger or uh, what if the Sox make a trade. You know, whatever or the Bulls. You know, uh, um, yeah, they're just going to have to adjust and 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 do what they can. So will the paper come out? I mean, I, I'm having a hard time thinking about looking at a, a bunch of wire stories and trying to figure out, especially in Chicago, uh, how many complex issues there, how many people working on stories already. Um, do you think the paper comes out? I I would assume it will. Um, I, I don't know. I can't answer that, Mike. Uh, hmm. I would, but I, I would assume it will. There are people there who who are smart and bright and um, can can do it. Now, this was pegged uh, this date. If people are wondering the February first date, and this might be getting too quote unquote inside baseball, but you know we're going to a new operating system today. So this was pegged um, to you know cause a little you know cause a little uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And so, hey, you know, hey, if if we're going to take a lose a day's pay to go on strike to prove to you, hey, we're going to make things difficult for you because we want you to open your eyes. We want you to know that we're serious and we want you to know that, um, you know, we're done playing games. Before we let you go, Chris, and really appreciate your time this morning, people can go to at CT Guild on X or Twitter to find all of this being kind of encapsulated in a couple of different tweets in, in a thread and also the letter that you sent is, is there for, for everyone to understand if they're curious. But I'm curious. We're all kind of in the news business can get a little cynical. We can get a little jaded. What is the realistic expectation of what today will produce? What do you think will come of this stand, which I think we all support and understand, but what comes next do you think from Alden Capital? Well, I'm, I, we're really hopeful that this will just just get their lead negotiator, who I've sat in a room with him, and as as uh, pleasant as he can be at times, he you know he's still working for these ruthless uh, this ruthless hedge fund, and and mm-hmm. so we we are hopeful, and I am hopeful that that this will prove to them that we do mean business, that this you know we're not just going to roll over and say, okay, we're not going to take a raise. Okay, yeah, you can pull our 401k match. That's not going to happen. Like, we're, we're not going to accept that. And we're hoping and we're confident that this will open their eyes to let them know that we're in solidarity. They're 97% is a big number, man. And, and so we're hopeful that, uh, that they're going to uh, uh, get together and say, okay, these guys aren't going aren't to accept what – what we want them to accept, and we're going to have to budge. That's what we're hoping for. And I, I have confidence that they're going to move. And, and how can people support you? 
What can there we is do? a GoFundMe? Um, there, there, there is a GoFundMe for like like there are some journalists. I I can't even tell you. Um, you would be embarrassed to know how how little some journalists are making in Chicago. And, uh, you know, like I said, the, the cost of living has gone up like 20 percent in the last three or four years. And we've got we've gotten one raise uh, since 20, 2018 was my last race. And, and um, you know, I'm going to be OK. I've been here for this is my 31st year in newspapers. I've been at the Tribune almost 20 years, so I'm going to be OK. But there is a GoFundMe. Um, Dave, uh, Dave and Mike, I'll I'll I'll, um, I'll tweet it out and um uh, hopefully you guys can retweet it from your show that that can help um and today today the biggest thing you can do to help to to support us is not click at chicagotribune.com don't read a story if you subscribe to their notifications and you get your email alerts don't click on the stories to read them we want to prove to them that they need us so don't click on it if you get the print edition put it in the recycling bin put it in the fireplace right that's how you can support us Great talking to you, Chris, and we, we do support everything you got going. I think we've, you know, I, I worked with you at the Sun-Times. We've been through that, and and this just sounds yeah. awful. Honest to God, just awful. All so, the best, Chris. Stay strong. Thanks. Thanks. Guys, appreciate, appreciate you giving me time. Bye-bye. That is Chris Bogosian, the Tribune Associate Sports Editor. They are walking for a day. It's They're, unprecedented. It's yeah. definitely a cause. It's easy to support. I worked there 17 years. I love the Chicago Tribune. And I definitely understand uh, the frustration that they feel. It's palpable for people that are friends of yours to see them going through this, to hear them talk about it, and it's difficult. So I wish them all the best in this cause. Yeah, and, you know, they're, it's funny. A texter says, a put out a blank page paper. That would be – that's not how it's going to work. People, this is this right. is going to be a bunch of wire stories – but you're going to lose all the people that you enjoy reading on a personal level. So um, be aware of it. And, um, I, you know, again, it's an unbelievable business. People at newspapers don't do it for the money. They're there because they love the occupation. They love it. So they wonderful. feel called to journalism. It's no an question. industry that has just been uh, just hit yes. and ravaged by yes. the economy, by the, the lack of interest and respect, and a lot of things have contributed and we both understand those realities. Well, we're both sitting here as a result of some of those realities. That's so right. you uh, you hope that this uh, at least gets somebody's attention. Yeah, God bless them. And and you know, I, as you know, I fear reprisal. So I'm gonna we're gonna make sure that we keep you abreast of the story and everything that's happening. But that explains why your paper is gonna be so awesome, so awful tomorrow. And again, don't. Don't go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm not even going to read a story today on. Uh, and I, you know, obviously I've got the Tribune on my on my devices, but uh, take a day off. And we're going to talk to Brad Biggs, who's working for us. Yes, next, Brad Biggs, Tribune football guy. Dare we call him our dear friend, Brad Biggs? He's our dear friend. Yeah, and we'll talk to him next. Molly and Holland score. Brad Biggs. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast bigs Bigs. with molly and haw bigs time the bigs report with brad bigs bigs time his name is brad bigs brad bigs talks football with you Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Brad Biggs is the football man for the Mully and Haw show today. And he is a uh, he's a longtime contributor to the station, a valued friend, and a great journalist who writes things that you want to read. And unfortunately, the Chicago Tribune is going to be on strike today, so we won't be able to read Bigsy for a day, but we can talk to him. And he joins us now, uh, as all guests do, on the score hotline powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Bigsy! Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, it's great to talk to you, and uh, and we value everything you do, and we value everything the journalists from the Chicago Tribune do, and we just talked to... Chris Bogosian, the associate sports editor, who's working with the the Guild, and it was um, it, it was an eye opening uh, conversation for a lot of people, getting a lot of reaction to it. Brad, uh, I know it's a, a difficult situation to address, but I, I'm sure with 97 percent of the uh, of the the uh, workers. Walking out, I'm sure that it is, um, you know, for a guy like you who just wants to write, I'm sure it's a difficult time. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, but you, you're put in a position to almost backed into a corner when 
uh, you work for a company in Alden that um, seemingly doesn't want to negotiate in good faith, a company that um, wants the newspaper to be profitable and really isn't interested in what it means to the employees. You know, when you talk about um, they haven't uh, given raises to the vast majority of workers in coming up on like six years. Um, they they don't want to provide a basic cost of living uh, increase in contract negotiations. If anybody's noticed, the cost of living has jumped a little bit in the last five, six years. Just uh, open your eyes on the next trip to the grocery store. So it's unfortunate because, you know, in sports, we kind of deal with the fun stuff. And uh, but it's important stuff, right, because people are invested in it. We spend a lot of time talking about it and and people uh, consume their time uh, as sports fans. But in other sections, you talk about the news side, you're talking about journalists that um, are government accountability, things of that nature, serious stuff. And that Alden's gutted some of the news, the, the staff's. And when you talk about staff reductions and people leaving and simply not being replaced. And, and so fortunately, we're joined by uh, journalists at other all the newspapers uh, around the country. Well put, Brad. We're glad you're working for us today because we have some Bears things to talk about. People are wondering. And we asked during the pick six to switch the topic back to the Bears. This offensive coaching staff that they put together has some experience. And I think that, to me, is one of the biggest reasons you can believe that there could be progress around the corner. Shane Waldron, Thomas Brown, Kerry Joseph, there are guys who have done this job before. It won't be the first game that Shane Waldron has called plays like it was for Luke Getze two seasons ago. In your mind, what is the biggest reason for uh, for uh, Bears fans to believe that this is progress when you look at that offensive coaching staff? Well, I, I, they're leaning into the Sean McVay offense here, right? Like that's that was clearly the goal when you looked at the list of candidates they spoke to for the offensive coordinator position. And then you look at the moves they've made. They've got Waldron. They've got um, Thomas Brown, who quickly became an assistant head coach for the Rams under McVay. And um, guys that have worked with Waldron. So you, you look at the new additions and, the, and you've got Waldron and, and four other offensive assistants. Well, the the only uh, outlier is the wide receivers coach, Chris Beatty, who, who spent three years with the Los Angeles Chargers. But I, I said this going into this sort of coaching uh, turnover on offense, like the number one thing for the Bears this offseason is, is getting the quarterback right. If they get the quarterback right, this thing will work with Waldron and it would have worked with any of the other offensive coordinator candidates that they interviewed. It might look a little different, but it would work. Uh, So if they get the quarterback right, this will be a transformative uh, off season for the franchise. Yeah. And, and, you know, if they get the quarterback, right, everyone is going to say, wow, they did a great job. They did a wonderful job coaching the quarterback. If they don't get the quarterback, right, 
everyone's going to say, oh, they, they can't should've. coach. Exactly. <laughs> and that's just the reality of life. The players have such an impact. And um, I, I just believe that it's going to be fascinating to see uh, how this works out and what their decisions are. And I know, and you wrote about it, Bragg, that there's such a debate among um, Bears fans as to what the answer is, what they should be doing. Uh, it, it's, you know, we talk about it on a daily basis, and it, it's the most split down the middle subject. Keeping <laughs> Justin Fields or drafting Caleb, I've never seen anything like it. I don't know if it's split down the middle. I, I don't. I, I think the um, the side that wants to see them trade down, uh, add more talent, and build around Justin, I think that side is extremely vocal. They're very interested in getting their point of view out there and, 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 and very good at that, very thorough, um, but – just really, really loud. I think the other side is like, well, I, I think they're going to draft a quarterback. I think they need to draft a quarterback. And April 25th is a ways off, so I'm not going to get too caught up in this right now. And so you have people that um, are probably interested, but not to the point that they want to get in a uh, rock-throwing match uh, over the Twitter machine on it, if that makes sense. It does make sense because I think that is typical of the kind of things that you get in terms of feedback. People are going to call when they complain. They're going to write letters and emails and tweets when they're upset about something. And I think to that degree, there's a lot of people upset about the idea that Justin Fields, a very easy guy to like and support, is likely to be traded or, or replaced. So I, I do wonder, Brad, I think it's a good point, if the debate is 50-50. I think it is from our point of view because we, we get so much of that back yeah. and forth. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know if they did one of these independent Gallup polls Right. if Bears Nation would be in favor of Caleb Williams or Justin Fields, likely moving on from Justin Fields. Yeah, like, you know, Folks I know that are interested in the Bears, and there's a lot of them, a lot of them. Just, you know, they come up to me, hey, what do you think they're going to do? And and I'll say, well, you know, what what do you want to see them do? And then we can talk about it. I mean, it's like 90%. Those folks want a new quarterback. So I, we'll see. I've seen uh, Ryan Poles here. Matt Eberflus got into town on Tuesday. It's an interesting group of quarterbacks here with Michael Penix and, and Bo Nix from Oregon. Neither one of those guys are going to be candidates to be uh, the, the top pick in the draft, but they're interesting quarterback prospects. There's some uh, good offensive linemen here. You know, it's a, it's a good group at the Senior Bowl uh, this week, and it's going to be happening fast because when, when this week wraps up, you're looking at being, I mean, you shoot, you're less than a month away from the combine kicking off in Indianapolis, and, and that's when pre-draft preparation really gets into high gear. Uh, you know, it, it's it's fun to imagine what the Bears can do with the first overall pick and to 
picks in the top 10 of the draft, and, and I think we're busy identifying players, et cetera. Um, you know, if, if they add more picks, whether that be uh, trading one of the high top 10 draft picks, whether that be trading Justin Fields for whatever you are going to get, which would be more than maybe people thought, according to some of the reports, there's a list of players to fill in this draft. They need more picks. And I know that sounds crazy because the picks are so good, but they, they kind of need more. They got to figure out a way to fill some of these positions and you do it through the draft. And, and I would be surprised if they don't add um, more in the later rounds of the draft. Yeah. I don't think you can criticize the trade that was made back at the deadline to get Montez sweat and understanding what it cost them, which was a second round pick that goes to the commanders and then understanding what they had to pay sweat to keep him in place and prevent him from leaving via free agency. But there's a number of different positions I've been looking at. And, and this has happened for a couple of weeks, guys, where I've said to myself, boy, this is an interesting player at a position where the, they really could use some help here. And then I kind of take take a step back, look at it, because you're, you're trying to make it make sense, right? And I'm like, well, they don't have a second-round pick. I don't think they have a shot at this guy. Mm-hmm. And and that's been at a, at a couple positions, fellas, where – so the appeal to trading down at some point and trying to add a little more depth – to the draft class, and they've got a good group of picks they're working here That with. This is not a uh, to, to say they're in a bad spot at all, but finding a way to add a little bit more w- would make sense. I don't know if there's a path for them to get back into round two, guys. That It right. just it might not happen. Uh, and the, But the trade-off's worth it, right? The trade-off is, is Montez Sweat, and that deal appears to be well on its way uh, to working out for Ryan Poles and the Bears. Really wanted your opinion on what happened in Detroit, Brad. Ben Johnson decided to stay with the Lions as the offensive coordinator, as well as maybe what you think overall about the head coaching carousel this offseason, because there have been some hires that have maybe been surprising. The big names are out. The new guys are in. Ben Johnson staying in Detroit certainly will have an effect on the Bears season. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't buy the uh, unfinished business thing, right? Right. Like, I'm, 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 I know. Like, hey, dude, we've all got unfinished business, buddy. Um, <laughs> it, it, that just, get out of get out of here with that with that. It, but it ought to help the Lions, right? It'll it'll make the Lions a little bit better. I I wonder, and I'm not pretending to to know his motivation here, but he's a young guy, right? He's still in his 30s. He, he wants that perfect opportunity when he becomes a head coach. They all do, right? They, every single one of them wants that perfect opportunity. Well, I, I don't know if that unicorn is out there. Like a lot of people wanted a pony uh, for Christmas when they were six. I don't know how many of them got it. So maybe he looks at it and he says, it's, it's just not right for me now. You got to be careful playing that game. You really do. Uh, I believe Ben Johnson will be in demand. People will be interested in his services a year from now. But what if the quarterback 
struggles next year? Mm-hmm. What if he hits a slump? What if they have some injuries on the offensive line and there's not as much time for Jared Goff and they have a receiver go down and all of a sudden that explosive offense that was pretty powerful for darn near the, the entire season looks kind of more average. What if people get a beat on what he's doing a little bit? Maybe then you're not in demand as much. And, and the guy that, to me, looms is a huge target a year from now be Mike Vrabel, unless something unexpected happens and he's hired by uh, the commanders. I believe we talked about it last week, guys. He's an experienced coach that's had success. He won Coach of the Year honors a few years ago. The Titans have got to pay him this season so he can um, take his time, get in the football lab a little bit, figure out who might be interested in going with him next year. And Mike Vrabel, at the end of December and beginning of January next year, could be the guy that's sitting there saying, well, I – I think I'm going to have my pick of jobs, and, and this spot looks pretty good to me. You know, we talked about this idea that um, Mike McDonald, hired in Seattle, becomes the youngest coach in the NFL at age 36. He replaces Pete Carroll, the oldest coach in the league, who was literally double his age. And you look at um, you look at Jared Mayo, he replaces the second oldest coach in the NFL and Bill Belichick who's 71 and and you are talking about the second youngest coach in the league is is that just coincidence or are teams looking for some kind of you know unicorn type guy McDonald listen you know guys that have been defensive coordinators at the Ravens usually do pretty well as head coaches over the years if you look at it so it might be kind of this under the uh, radar type great hire, and I know he's highly thought of, but he's very young. Is that is that yeah, an oddity? Well, it, what do you think? Well, it's, but the first thing I think is it's probably bad news for those hoping Ditka returns in the near future <laughs> with with the with the old coaches going out. Uh, I don't know if it's an oddity. I think you're looking for what's one of the first things you're looking for. You're looking for a coach that connects with the players and. It doesn't necessarily mean that a younger guy is going to do a better job of that, but here's a couple of younger examples that um, do appear to be doing it, and I think that was one of Pete Carroll's strengths, uh, is, is even at his age, Pete Carroll reached the players uh, in his locker room. Mayo is a guy who had been in place there for a while, uh, obviously played under Belichick and coached there, so that's a little... Uh, different to me, but we have seen some of these first-time coaches get a little bit younger over the last decade or so, and and who's at the forefront of that? Well, you know, Sean McVay, the guy who the Bears are trying to pattern uh, some of their offensive changes after. Good stuff, Brad. Great stuff, Brad. Thank you, buddy. Always great to talk. Have a great day, guys. You too. That's our guy, Brad Biggs. I think there are ways the Bears can get into the second round. I do think there are two things specifically I could mention as possibilities. Do it. Trade Justin Fields. That's definitely a good possibility. Then, if that doesn't happen, even if it does, you have your number one overall pick. You're probably going to take the quarterback. You got your ninth pick. What if there's a run on quarterbacks? 
What if there's three that go in the top five, top seven? Yes. What if a team at n- wants to move into the top ten fixated on a quarterback, whether it's Bo Nix or uh, Penix Jr. or J.J. McCarthy? What if you are the Bears sitting at nine and you know a team is fixated on right. going up to get a quarterback? All of a sudden, you're back in the second round. All of a sudden, you're moving back in the first round. Maybe you can leverage that pick after you get your guy at the number one overall position. Maybe after you get your guy – then you're open for business. There's a third way of doing it. There is? Trade the number one overall pick, and you're going to get a king's ransom. I like that option the least. I know you do. But I'm just, for fairness, I'm not promoting that's what they should there do. There you go, you being know, fair and balanced you know again. How, you know how that's I true. feel. That's true. But I'm just saying, if we're looking at it, there's there's a third solution. Not Not the, the ideal one, I got it. And, and you're right. You're right about that. But if you're trading the number one overall pick, the second round pick that you get in the collection of picks that you receive is kind of like, oh, by the way, you're going to get two firsts, oh, and a second, and a, and, and, and a player. 312-644-6767. It's Molly and Haw on the score. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Molly and Hall flashback. 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 What did you say that they got for Sam Darnold? A second, a second a fourth, a fourth, and, and a sixth. Yeah. Second, fourth, and sixth. And, and so say you're going to get minimum that. Let's just say you get more because Justin's a better player and has done a lot more. Mm-hmm. So you get more of that. So you're going to get two, three starters there. Plus, you still got the no- other number one pick. And now you got money to go sign somebody or sign one of our guys that's right. up. You know, so no, I, I get it. In the big picture... Um, if you start checking boxes, it, 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 it may go that way. I, I don't know. <laughs> Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 of the score. That was a conversation we had a while back with uh, with Coach Wanstead. And it's, you know, there are methods. There are ways, uh, David, to build up more draft pay. It, the thing is, and, and this is a problem, you get greedy. Like, the Bears have a really good situation, and I'm just getting greedy. Because I think, what, when's their last pick? The fifth round or the sixth round? You know, get some of those picks at the end of the draft. That's where you're going to Yeah, find you always your, want a ton of picks. Get, I mean, get that, your that's, punter, that's get every your, general manager. Yeah, I know. They're going to covet those picks. I know. You do have opportunities, though, and the options that we 
outlined in the last segment are among them. You could trade down, which yeah. is, yeah. you know, obviously there for consideration. Justin Fields, what he would bring back in return is probably uh, a source of as much debate as, as what they're going to do and maybe even more curiosity than, than what they're going to do at the quarterback position. I think there seems to be a, a consensus building, even though the fan base, as Brad said, is loud in support of Justin Fields about what they're going to do. But, Molly, I wonder about the option that I suggested or I'm cu- most curious about when you're drafting ninth and you have teams that are fixated on a quarterback or one position, mm. you, know, you start to wonder how many quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10 picks of the draft. Right. And you could easily envision Jaden Daniels, Drake May, and Caleb Williams being gone before you get to five. Yeah. And then maybe Michael Penix Jr. is the next one to go off the board. We don't know what the combine is going to produce. Maybe Bo Nix is a creation. Maybe J.J. McCarthy flies up. But there's going to be a team that – convinces there could be a team there likely is will be a team that convinces itself we need to move up we need to give up whatever they want and Ryan Poles is going to know who those teams are and probably take advantage because at that point in time you can recoup some of your draft losses if you will that you had to pay to get a guy like Montez Sweat in town yeah I I, you know here's the deal you know the Bears have two picks in the first 10 which is awesome, including the first overall pick, which is phenomenal. But then you wait till number 75, then you wait to the third round. I, and listen, I will never suggest that they shouldn't have made the move they made with Montez Sweat. I, I, Montez Sweat, is a, it's, that's a win, man. That is a really good move. He is, he's like a very hardworking, relentless type of player. He's a competitor. You pay the guy $100 million, and he's still working his arse off. He's not, he's not one of these guys who signs a deal and then retires to it. So I got absolutely no problem. That's a, they've already hit a home run out of the draft by trading that second-round pick. That's a win. Yes. But, and they got another pick in the fourth round. So you got the 110th overall pick and then 122, and then you pick – 142 in the fifth round, and you're done. <laughs> I'm just saying. that, and, and I know, you know, I, I, I don't want them to dominate the sixth or seventh round. I'm just saying that might be where you're going to find a punter. That might be where you're going to find someone that can aid you and surprise you in that round. The, the potential to get, you know, you already got, a great pass rusher, the potential to get two more starters in the top 10. If you, if you draft a guy in the top 10, you expect him. You are not going to be defining this draft. Right. On your sixth or seventh rounders. No, you can find a punter. Not not even on your numbers, right? It's not going to be about quality. They got 12 draft picks. This this is not going to be about quantity. It's going to be about quality. Yeah. That's the kind of draft. This is shaping up to be good. Great. This is not the off-season to – let me rephrase that. Yeah. If you chose to go into this off-season full of optimism and hope, I'd understand it. If you went into this off-season willing to suspend your skepticism and cynicism about everything about the Chicago Bears that they have earned over the last two decades and longer, I would get that because you're in a great position. You have two choices. You can make a good decision or you can make a better one. 
And that's the luxury of having the number one overall pick and a starting quarterback under contract. A guy you can win the division with, oh, you might be moving on from him to draft a guy you think you can win a Super Bowl with. Right. That's that, a good that's, spot to be in. That's the decision you have to make. And, and again, you know, having the options, it's just a great position to be in. Using them correctly is the key to the whole damn thing, right? I mean, how many times have we seen a draft? When was Mahomes drafted? How good is that? I know. I just say. I, I have to say, though, you are getting to me because every time over the weekend and then in the playoffs that I see some punter uncork a beauty that hangs up there long enough to draw rain and it bounces inside the 10, I'm like, the Bears need one of those. You know, I'm, I mean, they may never have to punt if they make the right decision <laughs> in the draft. <laughs> they got the new coaching staff. That's true. Really, if they're, they draft, if they're drafting a punter, are they thinking positive? Yeah, yeah. and it's, a, it's an afterthought <laughs> late position. But, I mean, if you watch the game, there are guys out there that are unbelievable, and you probably need an upgrade. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying that's the NFL. The NFL is, unless you're a top guy at that position, they're looking to replace you. It's, as simple as that. As simple as that. As simple as that. Yeah. It, That's hilarious. It, it just is I, one I, of those things. I've ruined you with the punting. Not yeah. ruined. Not ruined. You, know, you, you open your mind a little bit wider to respect punters and kickers, and I need to do that a little bit more. It's a good yeah, yeah. check I, I, yourself. Yeah, okay. Let's get to the phone lines. Paulie's waited patiently. He's on the Odyssey app. Hi, Paulie. Hey, guys. Great show. Thank you. Um. You just referred to the Bears being greedy. You made me laugh. Greed and jealousy are the two worst emotions. All you have to do is ask Dan Campbell. <laughs> well played. I called because the Arlington Heights issue. And I always like when you guys like to discuss money. And the Bears, oh boy, they love to save money. So here's here's the dynamic. And why they, they wouldn't pay fields if he were Joe Namath. And they can't afford to, and I'll tell you why. <sighs> Ginny is 101. She's going to be passing soon. I'm not going to be disrespectful here. The Bears but are you worth just called But you just called Virginia McCaskey Ginny. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be, be disrespectful. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, no, she's going to be passing soon. Wow. The minute she passes... The Bears get sh- the the Bears heirs get first shot at that five percent. Her five percent. Say the Bears are worth six billion now. That's three hundred million. What they are, what they are kind of hoping. Boy, that sounds bad. But the sooner she passes, the better for this reason. Okay. Well, sorry, dude. Uh, we we, we got to Yeah, we're up against a break. Yeah. I'm not quite sure where you're headed with that. Yeah, and and, and yeah, it was yeah. kind of getting into uncomfortable territory anyway. That's all. Yeah, I, I mean, you think? Well, I don't. I don't know that that's a fair. Let's go back assessment. to talk about the draft and prospects. Yeah, we're going to bring in uh, 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 David uh, Sivertson from Our Lads. He's down at the combine. What I love about Our Lads, we've talked about this, is they understand traits. They understand when they put their draft together the traits of the player and how that matches the team. And there are a lot of guys with traits at the Senior Bowl, and we're going to talk to him next because he's down there. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. 
Yeah, I man, I just want my presence and my command to, to be felt, you know, in everything I do, the way I operate, the way I lead out here, you know, um, just show that each and every day and just showing that I'm willing to compete at the highest level, you know. Um, I love doing I love doing this, man. Football is it, my love, man. So I just want to show them that this is uh, what I truly love to do, and, you know, I love to do it at the highest level. And, um, man, that's what you're going to get out of me. Yeah. You're going to get a, a competitor that's, that's going to that's gonna come win football game. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score that is Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback from Washington. You saw him in the national championship game, and he is at the Senior Bowl. One of the big names at the Senior Bowl. Now, a guy like that, let's see how the medical goes uh, when, when <laughs> you get to Indy. Up. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. But we are delighted to welcome in David Sivertson. He is with our lads. Uh, we both value our lads' uh, draft guides and all that stuff. Go to ourlads.com. I mean, it really is top-shelf stuff. And David's got his first uh, a mock draft out, and he's down in Mobile, Mobile, Alabama, looking at players. And he joins us now on the score hotline powered by IBEW local nine Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. David, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I am doing great down here. I'm on day three of the senior bowl. Uh, it's been a beautiful sunny day. I have sunburn on one side of my face because we're not allowed on the other side of the field. So I look pretty <laughs> funny, but good, <laughs> That's awesome. good thing. Good thing this is a, uh, a a phone call and not a video call. <laughs> That's great. Well, we are interested in the guys with traits and the guys that Bears may be looking at. And who's the best defensive player down there? Who's the best defensive player in the draft? So the answer is one player. Uh, currently, our, our player, best player down here is also the best defensive player in the draft. And this Leia Latu, Latu from UCLA, a defensive end that may not jump off the, the sheet when it comes to the measurables. His, his, he measured in a little shorter arm than I thought he would. Um, he's not going to win the scouting combine. But when you talk about a pass rush skill set and the techniques and smooth criminal handwork that he shows, he is unblockable down here. And there are a lot of good offensive linemen in this draft, and there's a lot of good offensive linemen down here this weekend, potential first-round picks. He looks to be on a different level than all these guys. And this is our top defensive player at this point in the process. And, and you've got him going fairly high, right? You got him going. I thought I saw your, your mock. I think you had the Giants taking him at six. I, what I love about your mock draft is you're not following everybody else. You got Marvin Harrison Jr. going number one overall because you consider him the best player in the draft. So the Bears, if they stay there, take Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, that that will change as we get more information and things go on, but you're not just trying to predict what everyone uh, should do for their team. You're also aware of uh, of what the traits are of different players, and, and he is a phenomenal talent. Right. I mean, we, we, it would take us an hour to, to go through what I think the Bears are going to do with that number one pick to, uh, with Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels even. Do they trade him? Do they stay? But – for the sake of a mock draft at this time of the year before free agency, which in some ways is kind of foolish because so much changes over the next couple of months, but it's a great talking point. It's part of the business. And I try to keep things simple and because if not, I'm going to keep myself all up all night with every single pick. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in this draft. I think he's the best wide receiver to come out since Jamar Chase. And I think he can reach that level 
that elite, true number one level within the first year or two of his career in, in an era where economics rules all, you know, get the most bang for your buck. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be one of the top values, not only on a Bears roster or whoever he gets drafted by, but in the entire NFL, because wide receivers are now being paid what quarterbacks were paid five years ago. I mean, th- these, these contracts continue to rise, just percentage of cap spending. And to get a resource like Marvin Harrison in an offense that needs more playmaking ability, let, let's not lie about that. Uh, I think he is the, the best player in this draft. And when you're sitting at number one overall, you have to consider, consider it a strong possibility. And just like my Twitter handle says, you know, I, I'd rather be right or wrong about my opinion, not someone else's. So I, don't, I try to go against the grain. Uh, and not just kind of fall victim to what everyone else is doing. I love that. It's a fair point. It's a great debate. I'm curious, though, if the Bears do take a quarterback at one and Marvin Harrison Jr. is gone by the time they get to nine, who's the second-best wide receiver? Romo Dunze from Washington is my current number two. Him and Malik Neighbors are kind of the 2A and 2B, if you will. Uh, Odunze just brings a little bit more size. Uh, He had a contested catch rate of 75%. For those that don't follow those advanced metrics – it's something that is has been done maybe two or three times in the history of college football at, at the FBS at the Power Five conference level, and we're talking about someone that's six foot three, two fifteen, is going to run a sub four four. He's going to he's going to wow everyone at the combine, but he combines that with an actual receiver skill set that fits into any kind of offense, any kind of role. And you know, I don't know if he's going to be there with the Bears' second first round pick. But I do think that there's going to be a really good wide receiver available at that spot if that's where they want to wait. I'm curious. You, you know, I look at the way you have the quarterbacks going and, and where you have them going. And you you have Jaden Daniels going ahead of Caleb Williams. And then uh, you got Drake May. And I believe you have Bo Nix at like 11. Yeah. Bo Nix not having a great um, time down there at the Senior Bowl, right? Is he – struggling everybody talking about him yeah it's a it's a tough eval for quarterbacks down here I mean these guys have the most to to acquire in such a short amount of time of all the players you know just a a new a new offensive system I mean these guys are almost never under center in college right Um, new players around them and you know the, the pass rush is constantly in their face it's a tough place to truly evaluate a quarterback I will say I, I, I'm hoping Bo Nix can turn things around today and, and in the game on Saturday. It hasn't been a great uh, week for him, but nothing down here with a quarterback is going to move the needle that much. You know, I mean, the stuff that truly moves the needle is behind the scenes, and that's in the interview rooms and, and the, the interaction with coaches, scouts, GMs. And, and Bo Nix, I mean, 61 career starts, dual threat, great arm, smart kid, battle-tested, has hit adversity and bounced back and come out on the other side uh, with a lot of assurance that he can handle some of the pressure of the NFL. And that's a lot of of what we don't know about these guys coming out. I I like the fact that him and Penix both have hit adversity and they came back stronger than ever. So, um, you know, how he practices right now and our guys dropping balls and running the right routes, a lot of miscommunication, you can't put it all on him. But I do hope he can show his better side over the next day or two. What would move the needle in Chicago would be drafting a center, David. And I think Jackson <laughs> Jackson Powers Johnson down there has the eye of a lot of scouts, a lot of executives, and certainly a lot of Bears fans. What can you tell us about the Oregon center? Massive. He, he is 330 pounds, and he moves like he's 300. And it's rare. I mean, you, you go do a size profile of every starting NFL center – I think there's only two or three guys that weigh in that big, and I think Powers Johnson might be one of the best athletes 
uh, down here among all the offensive linemen. He just does it all. Uh, he hasn't lost a rep all week. I mean, some of the most important time down here are these one-on-one offensive line, defensive line matchups. And he is the one guy that has not lost a single rep. And he is in the first-round discussion now. He's the top offensive lineman here. If I had to create a list of the top three players, he's on it. Wow. wow. That is a huge jump for a center. That's extraordinary, right? Yeah, he's he's going he's go whoever drafts him is going to lock that spot in for the next decade and I think he's a personality changer. He owns the point of attack. He can you know, my favorite part about him, uh not to get too deep into the scouting realm, but every offensive lineman's going to get beat off the ball at some point. There's not a single one that doesn't. The best in the game, they get beat off the ball by the, I mean, these guys are now tasked with blocking the, the best athletes, the best combination of size, speed, power in the league. That's what teams are doing with the, with their pass rush. That's where they're putting the best athletes in high school, college. It's it's pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, and these guys get beat off the ball. And what you see with Powers Johnson that is rare at this point is he knows how to recover. He trusts his technique. He does not panic. He does not abandon. And he just he's got an anchor that is just unmovable. When he puts his feet in the ground, he gets his hands locked in. You're not beating him. That's great. I, I loved um, you had uh, Jared Verse going number yeah. nine to the Bears. And and what I yep. loved about that is the way you described what Ryan Pace is looking for. And that mm-hmm. was certainly the case last year with mm-hmm. uh with with a couple of the of the uh of the fairly early defensive tackle picks and, and they they've worked out a little bit for the Bears. We'll see yeah. long term yeah. what that means. But can you tell us a little bit about uh about why a guy like uh like polls would would love a player like verse you know the the nfl is all about winning matchups you're it's all about creating a roster on both sides of the ball that other teams need to game plan around and and against that they're really tough to match up against you have montez sweat you have your your bona fide true number one you know pro bowl all pro even caliber pass rusher the way to get the most out of those guys is to have other options along the defensive line um, you never, ever have enough pass rushers. And if you're a team that expects to be playing with a lead, and which is what the Bears are trying to gear up towards, no matter what they do on offense, they're, they're going to be playing with a lead. You know the opposing team, they're going to be passing the ball a lot. We're in a passing era of football. We need guys that can get quick, explosive pressure on a pass rusher. Now you have this Jervon Dexter kid who I'm telling you I think is is going to – he impressed a little bit as a rookie. I think you're just scratching the surface with what you have. So you have an interior force in him. You have the all-pro caliber in Montez Sweat. If you get that third weapon, you have something that is going to change the game. You change how uh, opposing offenses game plan against you. And that's the goal is make them adjust around you, not the other way around. Great stuff. Really, really appreciate it, David. We're going we're gonna to wear you out before the draft happens. So. Appreciate the insights. Yeah, wonderful Tremendous. stuff. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, have a good one. That's David uh, Sivertson from Our Lads. Again, ourlads.com. They have the best depth charts during the season. They do. They keep I mean, it updated. They keep it so it, updated. It, they're plugged it's in. Great. Yeah. And th- but they don't do anything better than what they're doing right now. I love it. I just love it, man. I, I, Even though you may not agree with their assessments no, no. or projections. I like that he's got his own mind yep. and is, is looking at it his own way. It's totally a different perspective, which is why it's awesome. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. 
massive. He, he is 330 pounds, and he moves like he's 300. And it's rare. I mean, you, you go do a size profile of every starting NFL center. I think there's only two or three guys that weigh in that big. And I think Powers Johnson might be one of the best athletes uh, down here among all the offensive linemen. He just does it all. Uh, he hasn't lost a rep all week. I mean, some of the most important time down here are these one-on-one offensive line, defensive line matchups. And he is the one guy that has not lost a single rep. And he is in the first-round discussion now. He's the top offensive lineman here. If I had to create a list of the top three players, he's on it. Wow. Wow, man. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. So you talk about the the Senior Bowl as a – as a method of, um, you know, it's it's basically you're you're looking for a job, and so your job interview is ah here's it's a job here's, fair. Here's some of the best players it's, in the in yeah. the entire uh, NFL draft, and um, what thirty six percent of those players were drafted last year. It's a very high. Well, you look at the Bears because we were always looking at the Bears. Yes, they drafted four players that competed in the Senior Bowl last year and signed a fifth one in Tyson Bajant who went two and two as a starter pressed into action. Pretty good. So they got five players on their roster for the 2023 season who were at the senior bowl and they got a firsthand glimpse. Now Luke Getzey is gone, but not forgotten, but still that firsthand, that firsthand observation, this opportunity, you know, they got to coach him, but all the executives are watching these practices where I think you really make your money. Yeah. and make your jumps. That's why this week is so important to all 32 teams. And, and you know, centers, for the most part, um, are not first-round players. You know, there have been centers taken in the first round, but uh, most of the time, most teams seem to feel that you could go a little bit later and, and get a guy. Um, you know, if you look at the list of starting players in the NFL at each position. You'll find that there are as many undrafted free agents starting at center as first-round picks. Yeah, because it's not something that you consider a premium position. It's not something that you consider you would go into a draft fixated on getting with your first overall pick. Now, the last first-round draft pick at the position, Tyler Linderbaum from the Ravens, Mm. 25th overall in the 2022 draft. Good pick, but they're drafting from a position of strength. Exactly, you're drafting 25th because you're a very good franchise. That's right. Who are consistently in the in the postseason? You can afford to devote a first round draft pick. You could draft for need, not necessarily the best player available. Um, there you look at good teams and they have a center usually, right? I mean, you look at at uh, it's a it's a winning position. It's important, especially if the quarterback can't read things or can't understand where the pressure is coming from to have a center that can see it. It's a big, big job. You know, you look at the Lions as a point of uh, comparison because they are in the division. Frank Ragnall was a first-round draft pick. Great player. 20th overall, I think, in 2018. Great player. So you, you look at where they were devoting their draft capital. If you're the Bears, though, unless you add and move down and add to your number of picks, you're not likely to be in a position to take a first-round pick and devote it to a center. I don't think so. Now, second or third round, you can make that argument and it would be more defensible, but I just don't think that you're in a position to think if if this 
Oregon center leaps into the first round, the Bears will not draft him, I don't think. Yeah, I think, well, again, you know, I don't think he's going in the top 10. I don't think he would go. Well, I mean, with the if they move down. I know, but I'm saying, David, like, let's say you take a quarterback with your first pick. Do you want to pair him with a rookie? Oh, let's get the rookies together. We'll have a rookie center and a, a quarterback who's never taken a snap. I, yes. I, I, I don't know. Yes. I, I think I think I probably want. Wasn't Matt Eberflus asked specifically about that in the postseason press conference? Yeah. He would you mind something about it? Would you mind having a fresh uh, a rookie yeah. center and quarterback? And I think he said if they're the best players, something okay. uh, along yeah. those lines. I mean, he said whatever standard football quote you can get out of a guy, right? I mean, because that's Are how you we communicate. That I just gave you a standard football quote. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be opposed to a rookie center with a rookie quarterback if one of them's Caleb Williams, the other guy is this Oregon center? Uh, listen, this guy sounds great. Yeah. You know, so get him. I got no problem with that. <laughs> I just, my problem is, and I mean this sincerely, they got two picks in the top ten. I wish they had four. <laughs> I really, that's that's just how but I approach you get draft. greedy every draft. Oh, my draft. God, I get you so greedy. You want, like, I know. They, have, they, they, they have two top ten picks, and you want three or four. I, like, I, 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 I can't resist. I yeah. want more. I am, as I said earlier, I'm beyond greedy. So, um, I don't know. It, it would be uh, it would be fascinating if – if they did follow the the and I'm I'm not suggesting they're going to do this, but if they did trade out of the first spot, wound up with Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, gee. and another and you know maybe maybe another player uh, of significance in in that area, and they still have the number nine pick, and maybe they collect something else. I I'm I think just, you're gonna have to pick a lane. Yeah, I gotta I, I think you're gonna I have know. to pick a lane because the, the Marvin Harrison Jr. conversation yes. only exists if or you, is relevant if yeah. you move out of the first spot. Right. And if you advocate that, fine. I respect that position because it is defensible. Again, I want all these picks. You can't get all these I'm picks. I'm gonna take the top five. Okay, how about how about opinion. something more realistic? I felt you, you always fall in love with prospects. Some people are infatuated with this Oregon Center. Mm-hmm. Reading about and, and hearing about before I read about him, but today there's a very good story in the Sun Times. Read the Sun Times today, not the Chicago Tribune. Yeah, don't be reading the Tribune. So take a day off. <laughs> I think that when you look at is it Latu Latu? Yes, from the UCLA Bruin program. The maybe arguably the best defensive player in the draft, maybe the best pass rusher in the draft. That can be debated. It will be probably, you know, disagreed upon several times before the draft. But he is he is one of these guys that has a great backstory. Left Washington, they didn't think he was going to be able to play again mm. because of a, a back condition. So it turned out he slipped a disc. It was a, it was a slipped disc, and they, they fixed him, took a year off. He signed with a rugby team or something like that. He was going to, he was going to play professional rugby, and – now he, then he ended up at UCLA, and now he's going to be maybe the the best defensive player drafted, maybe the first defensive player taken. Um, yeah, you can I mean, use listen, one of those. Listen, that that just so we are all on the same page here, there is a possibility, given the number of quarterbacks and how people create that position, even when it doesn't exist, uh, given the fact that a couple of these offensive tackles, there there is a possibility 
that the ninth pick in the draft could be the first defensive player. Now, a lot of people are picking it that way, but that is a legitimate possibility that you could get the best offensive player in the draft and the best defensive player in the draft with your two picks. That could happen because of the obsession with finding a quarterback, with the trend that happens every draft where guys start one there's a run on one position it could be wide receiver this year mm. could be quarterback and it could be both you know I, I mean that is so true the other thing is like it, you know let's jump in the time machine and let's move ahead six seven years is it possible that marvin harrison jr is the best player in the draft is it possible that he has a career that where he's capable of joining the old man in the Hall of Fame. Yes, it is. And, yes, it is. And then you say, well, you know, the quarterback position is clearly more important than the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that there's a Hall of Fame quarterback in this group and you get the first bite at that app? Yes, there is. And is it possible <laughs> that you could come away – with a guy that you, you, you know about the draft, I want to. I want a Hall you, of Famer you know with the number one overall. Anything is possible. Who, whoever is going to go to the Hall of Fame, make sure you use him. You use the number one overall pick. Uh, okay, on him. I'm going to say this a couple more times. Apparently, uh, I'm going to before I'm gonna we get too out. far down the road. You've got to pick a lane. No, I know because you you can make all these points about Marvin Harrison Jr. But I. And all of those are conceivable mm-hmm. and could possibly happen if the Bears move out of that top position. I still think they're going to stay there, and I still think they're going to pick Caleb Williams. I, I think you're right, but I'm just saying because – You want both. Beca- yeah, <laughs> because you have these opportunities. You want both. Well, I want I, – like I said, <laughs> I, I mean, now, I mean, is, would it be too much to just want them to get – you know, the best quarterback in the draft, the best receiver in the draft, throw in this offensive lineman. He's got this guy over some of the tackles, right? He he said he hasn't lost a play, not a play. At, at practice in, in, in if Alabama. If he's breaking at, at his arse. practice in Alabama. David, 330 pounds, I, quick as lightning. I'm, and I'm not diminishing the impact of – the center everybody wants. I, and I also want a pass rusher, and I, I would like them to get a corner, too, while, just while they're at it. <laughs> to you, he is Jackson Superpowers Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the way you're describing him, and I think that, yeah, that would be great if, if they could get true, a center. let's go. Yeah, let's go. But I, I don't know that. But I want all of them. And, and the I, problem is, I'm on. sure he feels you that way, too. You go on about the blocker and the center and great. Yeah. I, I would prefer a pass rusher I, over a center. I've got first already with the ninth pick. I, You're not paying attention. I think I would prefer the UCLA. I, 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 I like the UCLA guy. Okay, all right. Right now, but I need to do a little more research. All it's right. early. we got plenty of time. It's February, 1st of February. Let, let's get the center and the and Combine the is four weeks away. Rusher. Let's get all of them. Thank you. Yeah, he. I almost called him Chicago's very own, but we just borrowed him before he became the, the great entity he was. 
Right. In the draft, anything is possible. He went to Farragut. For yeah, Kevin Garnett. And yep. also the Princeton basketball team adopted that mantra last year, if you anything remember. Anything is possible. If you remember that correctly. Our guy, Blake Peters. How's he doing this year? I don't know. How's I, Princeton I, doing? I haven't looked <laughs> at Ivy League basketball yet. You're too obsessed with the A-10. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, you are. You're, going, watching, to a, you're going to Caitlin a game Clark. Sunday, are you not? What game are you going to Sunday? I'm not going to a I game don't, Sunday. I don't believe the Blackhawks are playing. I, oh, gosh. The hockey stuff. No, I'm not going to a game on Sunday. What, I'm not sure what I'm the, doing on You know, Sunday. the Blackhawks play again on February 7th. Yeah, next week. Thank God. They're finally, they're back home. Thank God. <laughs> because if they're on the road, <laughs> nothing good's happened. No, they haven't won a road game since November. Have uh, they, when's the last time they scored a goal? <laughs> I don't know. When, on the did, road. when did Bedard break his jaw? Yeah, exactly. Probably before that. No, that, there's no regularity. It's been a long stretch. But but think about this. Okay. Like, if you're Ryan Poles, aren't you doing what I'm talking about right now? Aren't you kind of getting blindly obsessed with drafting every player you can get? How do you limit that? I I don't know. I don't know how the greed, the 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 desperation to get all these guys here's what i'm doing if i'm ryan poles here's my my mindset in my approach this week in alabama this approach to the offseason i am doing exactly everything i did last offseason because your process works You're, you're convinced if you're working in that building if you are in his front office if you are the general manager you're looking at your rookie class of 2023 and you're saying we're doing it right We're doing it right because we had some hits. Now, can you quibble about some of the consistency of Darnell Wright? Yeah, sure, but he's durable. He was fine. You look at Tyreek Stevenson. He he played hurt. Tyreek Stevenson became an asset, and he's going to be even a a better player moving forward. He's very good. Your defensive tackles have progressed. You have – you found an undrafted rookie free agent quarterback that, you know – exceeded expectations not going to get carried away with a Tyson Bajant and Bajant mania and all that but you feel like the process works so whatever you did last year repeat it don't fall in love with guys in Alabama check them out don't fall in love with guys at the shrine game check them out don't fall in love with pro days check them out whatever you did last year it worked do it again see I would have loved last year if he had drafted somehow C.J. Stroud instead of the tackle. Or maybe he could have gotten both of them. (laughs) You're right there, okay? But I'm going to have to point out that if you drafted C.J. Stroud, you wouldn't have D.J. Moore. You No, no, you make that deal. (laughs) Somehow Stroud goes 10. I I don't know. (laughs) Anything is possible. No, it's not, Blake. No, it's really not. No, it's not. We're not. Playing that game. This is not fantasy football. I remember <laughs> back in the day driving to the NBA draft and I'm I'm listening to the radio and some caller comes on and is like, I really think that they're gonna land Shaq because the Bulls get lucky on this stuff. Jerry Krause knows what he's doing. And I, and I was just like, like, how in the name of God could they ever get Shaq? <laughs> that's never going to happen. Like, that's as absurd as what I'm proposing. You're but, proposing some absur- absurdity. But, but it is draft fever. That's draft what fever. comes over people. You've got it. I caught it. I caught it with our conversation with uh, David, 
David Siverston from uh, our lab. Well, he I just did. had all the observations. That oh, guy's doing fantastic. a great job down there. Yeah, he's breaking it And I, he got me excited talking about Didn't he? Marvin Harrison Jr. and yeah. then the center and the defensive ends and the pass rushers. You're taking the, you're taking the kid from UCLA. I, I'm in. Between the story in the Sun Times this morning and 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 Siversen at seven forty five, I'm all in. I, I know all about his background. He did pass up a chance to play professional rugby. He did have a diagnosis that told him he would never play football again, and he did land See, at UCLA. I love the that, story. That, I understand you love the story. I do worry about that little element of the injury that was career-threatening. That's why it surprised I, it, me that he's rated so as highly as he is. Well, we'll see come the, the, ah, the Indianapolis trip. Bingo. You're right, because that, yep. that's the medical trip. That's the that's reason you that find the, the background. reason yeah. the combine is in Indy is the proximity of so many hospitals to the downtown area. Okay, let me let me let me go you on the on you. Okay, please. <laughs> so this is this is like the the fantasy or the unlikely to happen but could. This guy drops and all of a sudden you're sitting in a third round. Now now, now you're speaking my <laughs> I language. I mean, he dropped to the third round. Now we're producing And you've already got your wide receiver. The best you, draft. You ever. drafted the Washington receiver at 9, you drafted Caleb Williams at 1. You got your center in the second or third round and there's Latu still sitting there dropping to you for whatever reason. People scared about his medicals, but he's not really hurt and he's not really injured. He comes to you and has 10 sacks next year. See, now that this is what I like to call the dream. We did it. Anything is possible. It is. Again, <laughs> I talked myself back into it. That was fun. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah. 312 644 6767. Is anything possible? Where are you going here? It's Molly and Haw on the score. Do you have a general timeline on when you think how many years down the road you guys might be able to? Have a new stadium, no matter where it might be. Do you have a goal in mind of when you'd like, what season you'd like that to open? Yeah, I mean, I mean, ideally, you know, just just from the way the market is, you know, the, the longer you wait, the more expensive it is uh, building any project. So I'm can can, can uh, make sure I'm focused on not rushing, but making sure that we're deliberate uh, in that stadium process because you know, truly, in that world, time is money. And I've, I've said it all along: is that the moment that a shovel goes in the ground, I'm confident that we will be able to have a building to play in 36 months after that happens. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. That was was the old uh, news conference at the end of the year where you heard from the uh, the team president. Is that what is is what he's the team team president? president. Yeah. Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren. Yep. The team president for the Bears, and he's in charge of building that stadium, and it'll take three years. From uh, from when they get going on it, and it's it, taking it, longer than expected. Did you say when, or did you say if? Um, well, when they get going, or if they get going? That's, that is because I think area. that's in question right now. I don't think it's a realistic question, but it's still in question right now because the story this week is that the Bears and the three Northwest suburban school districts, Arlington Heights, are a hundred million dollars apart. $100 million apart on their valuation of what's the former you know, Arlington race course. Yes. And so that's a lot of distance. That's a wide gap, $100 million. Or is it? You're skeptical? Do you think it's leveraged? Do you think it's – You know, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. The Bears are close. They've got the, they've got the site. They've, 
brought down the building, right? They cleared it all out. They're ready to start something that is going to include it, it's going to it's going to kind of redo that entire area. You're going to bring out so many people and there's so many places that are there can be a whole little community there where the where the, you know, the back of the track was and everything. And then entertainment district. Totally an entertainment yes. district. So Here's, the, here's what you got to do when you're doing your math. Um, you heard Kevin Warren tell you it gets more expensive by the year. more mm-hmm. expen- But they can wait it out. They Time don't is money. Time is money. So at what point is $100 million? It, it's, like, it's like this. I'm selling my house. There's a snowstorm. If I can't get my house sold within the next month, I got to pay my my mortgage again, mm-hmm. and I gotta pay for um, whatever I have while I'm selling my house. I I'm gonna I'm gonna be paying more money by not selling the house than I want to. I want to be out of this house in like two or three months, and now the weather is hit, and now I can't get anyone to even look <laughs> at it. So how in the hell am I gonna pay those bills while I'm just trying to get rid of this thing? Okay, there, there, there is. I know what you're saying. I'm saying couple, the money works against you. Couple, at some point. couple things to remember, though. I think, and you know this. So, in the overall totality of this project, what we're talking about with a hundred million dollar disparity in there, you know, what, where they are on the uh, valuation, is I don't want to call it a pittance, but it's not significant. It's an insignificant, insignificant sum. Would a total? Would you agree with that? Yes. Because you're talking about a 2.5 billion dollar at least stadium being built on that site. You're talking about a franchise that is worth, by the time they get this going, six billion dollars at least. So, quibbling over the property value and taxes of a hundred million dollar difference, it, it's ground that could be covered as wide apart as it seems right now. The Bears' legal team believes that the appraisal it makes it worth $60 million. One was for 71 but between 60 and 70 And the other valuations have come back $160 million because of what's going to go there yeah. and what the possibility is, as you just described. They can close the gap. This is not insurmountable. To no, me, this you, sounds like a yeah, loud yeah. leverage play, and it's, it continues to follow the pattern of other maybe quieter leverage plays, but it's all been about leverage to this point, I think. Yeah, I, I just think, as you say, the amount of money we're talking about, the difference between 60, 100 million versus a two, did you say 2.6 billion, but b- billion is what they're going to build? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, if that's the case. Isn't that, isn't that a, cons- I mean, I, was, I, mean I, I that doesn't sound like a conservative estimate because of it's how much it is, but you're not going to, do this unless you're willing to go there. Well, I would hope so. I mean, what you're describing is sensational, and it's going to be really something special. I'm my worry is that they're they're not going to be as ambitious as as that, and instead of two point six, it might be one point six. I'll say something that's going to sound absurd and ridiculous to people. Yeah. Perhaps won't be the first time. But two point six is is relative cons- relatively conservative. It's the going rate. When you look at SoFi yes. Stadium, when you look at Allegiant Stadium, where they're going to play the Super Bowl. Yeah. When you look at these new structures in twenty first century America, the sports and the dome. world we live in. Are we talking about a dome because yeah. you, you need a dome to play a Super Bowl there. Two point six might be low. 
we may be talking about a $3.5 billion structure. And you know what? They wow. could justify it in today's world. I, it's everybody else's money. It's kind of yes. It's it's, it's, it's grandiose, and, and you're going to get it all back on the back end. You're going to yeah. There's no the, doubt about the, that. America's addicted to football. Look at the ratings. Look at the money and the revenue generated. Look at everything about the NFL that we cannot resist. That's why the Bears are going to end up at Arlington Heights. Could they justify staying in Chicago? Certainly. Can Chicago justify keeping the Bears? That's a harder question That's to answer. That's a much harder question. That's a much harder question. Here's the other thing to tie into the two big stories and, and, this week, Molly. Yeah, and David, I think that the idea, it's going to take 36 months. Get, the, get going. Get going. Think. Yeah, exactly. Get going, which relates to the other point I was going to say. I don't know how confident I am. I, I, I can't answer this question as confidently as I thought it would. If the question is, which Chicago sports team will announce plans to start breaking ground at their new stadium first, the Bears or the White Sox? I don't know. Yeah. We should know, right? It's been a year. Kevin Warren came here to do this. I'm surprised this timetable is still off in the distance, kind of this vague deadline. There's no deadline. Which do you think will come first? Plans that are announced for a South Loop ballpark for the White Sox or plans that announce the Bears are breaking ground in Arlington Heights? Well, they're different costs, right? We, sure. We accept sure. that. It's going to be – it's going to cost significantly No less. doubt. Um, uh, you know, I I think when you look at, at Amazon and ESPN and Fox and CBS and NBC – there are deals that have been cut through 2032. So you're already making this huge amount of money. You better have your building opening before 2032. I mean, maybe you're eyeballing it and thinking, I would get to it. If I were the Bears, you're close enough, I'd figure out a way to either eat this money or – you know, well, you already own the land. You paid $197 million. Well, that, and, and I know you can sell it and someone else can come and build something. You, you bought it for a purpose. But you're, you're already on yeah. your way. So to me, I wouldn't let this stop the progress. I don't think it will. And I, and I'm, I, I think there are people who are more, in, more educated in this area than we are that, that agree with that premise, that this is not going to get in the way. But I am with you. In terms of saying, let's get on with it. Make a deal. Make a deal. Find a way to yep. finesse this. Find a way to bridge that gap. Whatever you need to do, start to do it because you know time is money, and you're losing it with every passing day. But it also leads us to the point where you know the the South Loop project seems to be moving along and have more mom- has more momentum at this point than the Bears project, but that, which it seems like something that it can't be true because the Bears own the land. They've cleared everything out. It's like all they got to do. It's a bigger project, though. Well, I know, but it's a three-year project. Are they going to have a South Loop Stadium up in three years from right now? Right now, I would say no. If they announce this next week, I don't know. Well, if they announce it I don't know. If if they announce it in the next week, that could, you know, this could be like Soldier Field, right? They they couldn't get anything (laughs) done, and all of a sudden. All of a sudden. Boom. Boom. It's done. uh, Mullion Hall flashback. We talked to Bruce. Yes. Said that by spring training, they could have an announcement. That's in two weeks. If the Sox have an announcement about the South Loop ballpark, 
maybe we're putting too much pressure. Maybe it's an unrealistic expectation. But based on the kind of things you're hearing about how far along they are. Let's go. Let's go. And if they announce it, then when do you break ground? I don't know. There's a lot of ground to be covered. Wow. Who doesn't like the idea of the South Loop Stadium popping up? People have been, you know, cautiously optimistic. There's some reservations that are valid if you're talking about who's going to pay for it. We understand the funding questions. But in terms of just if you find ways to make sure that it's not an additional taxpayer burden, if you have the ballpark lined up in the right direction, if you have enough environmental studies to make it worth your while, I don't know that there's a negative. I don't see negatives outweighing the positives, put it that way. Right. This could be something that revitalizes an entire baseball organization and really continues the redevelopment of an area in the South Loop that is thriving right now. It would be great. It would be fantastic for the city. It would be good for the city, yeah. I mean, let's be honest about it. That would be just uh, wonderful. And then keep Dylan Cease. Um, well, see, that's the that's where the timing's <laughs> off. I, <laughs> By the time they get it built and they start making money, he's going to be long gone. Noah Schultz will start the first game at South Loop. There you go. Stadium. There you go, yeah. How old is he? Is he 19? He's in the top 100 list. He's a young lad, he's, man. He just teenager. got drafted. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's 20 yet. And Luis Robert can still be there because he's here forever, right? He's going to play. Well, he's the only guy that is apparently untouchable. Tomorrow's pick six. We'll who will listen be the, to that. Who, who will yeah. be the White Sox manager by the time they open in the South Loop? I feel confident in saying it's not Pedro <laughs> No. I do. I, I think it's a pretty sturdy limb you're out on. I know. <laughs> I mean, I think it might be more likely it's Tony LaRusso. Do <laughs> you see him surface at the Cardinals off season gathering, their fan fest, the convention? Didn't he got he got some award or something? I think Tony LaRusso was in St. Louis recently. Um, it, it, is that what he said? That's what he said. And he's gonna be at spring training every single day. Yeah. That's great. In uniform? Yeah. Why not? He's a he's a uh, a Hall of Fame baseball person. Oh boy. See? I didn't want to go there, you but did. you did too. I was leaning that way, and I thought better of it. But what do I know? All right, we uh, we got to place a wager or two, and to do so, we're going to talk to uh, the king of props. I wonder if he already has a prop. I'm sure he does. He's going to be prepared. Yeah, or else he I, won't I just, be coming on. No, no. Nick Costos will join us next. I wonder if he thinks the Hawks can win on February seventh. <laughs> It's Mully and Hawes, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. I'm legitimate. I'm a Hall of Famer. I want winners. Welcome back. Mully and Hawes, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. Love this time every week because on the line is the host of You Better, You Bet, and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Nick Costos. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to listen to all of the You Better, You Bet podcasts. For more of Nick Costos' analysis, just search You Bet wherever you find your podcast. And like all of our guests, Nick joins us on the Score Hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Good morning, Nick. How are you? David, what's going on, man? How you doing today? Doing well. So help me out. What are we going to do this weekend? Are you looking ahead already? Tell us about the line. Which way is it going? How are the Chiefs going to be underdogs 
yet another week in the postseason. Well, I think, uh, how's this weekend going to go? Uh, I'm going to try and sleep and then uh, fly to Las Vegas on uh, on Sunday to do shows uh, doing You Better You Bet out in, uh, at BetMGM, uh, Mandalay Bay in Vegas next week, which will be awesome. A couple days on Radio Row. Going to be great. Hang out with your guy Mitch Rosen for a couple days. It's going to be right. awesome. Um, as far as uh, the game is concerned right now, so just on like how the Chiefs can be underdogs in the game, and look, like I, I want to start by saying I like Kansas City in the game. So like, I like the Chiefs. I've already bet them. I reserve the right to change my mind, but I think I'm probably just going to add to my Kansas City position. I think Kansas City will be my bet in the game. But just like for people that look at the points spread and go, oh my God, like how could Patrick Mahomes be an underdog in this game? Like it, when you do actual like NFL like power ratings, that, that's how you get to a number like this. And look, like it could be the same people that were saying this past Sunday, Baltimore closed like a five-point favorite against Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. People are like, oh my God, how could this be? Now, Kansas City wins the game and then, you know, you get to say after Afterwards, well, I was right. But look, point spreads are what they are. It doesn't mean that it has to be right, that San Francisco has to win the game. Just that, like, the point spread of the game isn't wrong. You can think Kansas City is going to win, but, like, maybe and look, maybe Kansas City closes, like, a one-point favorite in the game, and maybe Kansas City gets bet in between now and kickoff. But we're basically going to exist in this range where pick the winner of the game, essentially, is going to be the point spread. You said you're going to be in Vegas. People need to know this. Nick and the You Better You Bet show We'll be broadcasting live from Las Vegas all next week from the Mandalay Bay Sportsbook. You can hear and watch Nick. you got to watch him on the BetQL Network from 2 to 6 Chicago time each day. If you're in Vegas, stop by Mandalay Bay and say hi to Nick and the rest of the show. So, Prop King, tell me this. Did I hear correctly this week already? Maybe it was Dustin that dropped this one. Over rushing yards for Brock Purdy is the most popular prop so far. Yeah, so I, I, which I was like a little upset to hear because, and I guess it makes sense, right? And and I will say that, and this one's a little narrative-y for me, the Brock Purdy bet. I think there's another way that people can play it, right? Brock Purdy over rushing yards. Longest rush was eight and a half yards yesterday. I don't know if that's been bet up, but look, I, I think it's kind of what separates Purdy, candidly, from Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think makes Purdy a, be- a better quarterback overall than Jimmy Garoppolo. It, it's what Purdy can do with his legs, the escapability. Now, no one's going to confuse Purdy with Lamar Jackson as a runner, right? That's like not what he is. But we saw him with a couple spectacular runs this past Sunday in the NFC Championship game, including that really long one on the final drive. And he's a second-year player. He's starting to come into his own a little bit. He's going to be starting a Super Bowl. Just like my thought is, is a guy like that, like a young man like that, just had success doing something. You could tell that he was feeling himself a little bit in that moment. And like, how could you not? Like, you're about to go to the Super Bowl. You've just made a huge play for your team. My sense is he's going to take off a couple times in this game. I I expect Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs' excellent defensive coordinator, even if it's not with the front four, and I think they can get pressure with the front four, to cook up pressure with with blitzes, etc., force Purdy to kind of move a little bit, and I think he's going to take off. I like him to go over his rushing yards prop, and I like his longest rush, David, over eight and a half yards in the game. Uh, That is fun stuff, because what's going on, my man? We need that, buddy. We need it. We need something to to count on. Are you interested at all in the way the line has shifted? It's gone from one to two. Do you wait if you're making a wager until you see where it's finally at before you invest? Yeah, so look, I, I 
just like the difference between like San Francisco minus one and minus two, like it's a fun talking point, right? To say, okay, like there's been some interest in the San Francisco 49ers. We're basically talking about the same numbers. And look, like the game could land two. It could land one of the team wins by one. Just that like it's mathematically unlikely that that happens. Think about how scoring works in the National Football League. So it could happen. It's just unlikely. So I, I think we'll exist in this range. Maybe it comes down to just like pick the winner of the game. But we're basically going to like San Francisco minus minus two is still basically like pick the winner of the game. Again, it could happen. Niners win by one or two. More likely they're going to win by three if they win the game or more. So yeah, my my guess is what will happen with this point spread. It's never going to go up to three on either side ever. Because if it did, it would get blasted immediately. And look, like, I like Kansas City in the game. If Kansas City ever became a three-point favorite, I would, like, be, like, knocking over women and children to bet San Francisco plus three. Like, like, it it won't happen. Now, that would be something to see on the Twitch stream. Oh, and and I would have have no issue doing it. No shame doing it. So, Nick, uh, the football stuff is great. Your props are great on the game and the results and the numbers and all of that. Do you get into the other stuff, the non-football part of the Super Bowl, betting on those kind of props? Yeah, absolutely. And it's all information-driven. So, and look, like, you know, I think this is kind of like an open secret. Uh, there are people that kind of get, like, you know, the rehearsal stuff for the halftime show. It's why, you know, they, they won't have... I, I don't think at least domestic sports books like my show sponsor bet MGM will have this up, but I mean like offshores will have this like where you bet basically before PAPSA was, uh, was revoked and they have uh, like, it actually says like national anthem time uh, max bet a hundred dollars basically until the rehearsal time is leaked and then it gets pulled down. So I think like ev- everyone kind of knows how this works, but yeah, you can get involved in this stuff and the Super Bowl is kind of like, like gluttony for sports betting. Now I would encourage everyone to bet responsibly, but you know, I'll have a bet on the coin toss of the game. I bet tails every year. There are like fun bets that you can make. And look, like again, you put like 10 bucks on this, 20 bucks, like not like money you can afford to lose that you can blow as as an entertainment (laughs) expense, right? Like first team to throw the coach's challenge flag is a really fun bet because let's say you bet Kansas City, right? Andy Reid to throw the flag first. Any time it's like, oh my God, did he catch the ball or not? Like, there was this huge scrum. Was, was it a fumble or was the knee on the ground? And the camera shows the coach, like, is he going to throw the flag or not? Just, like, to create, like, these fun moments where is this going to happen or not. Now, these are not, like, sharp bets. This is basically the equivalent of, like, rolling dice or flipping coins. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I will get involved in some of that stuff for the Super Bowl. I would say I will bet responsibly and would urge people, if you make bets like that, fun bets for the Super Bowl, like, please gamble responsibly. Yeah, I, I mean, I... I put one down for a safety one year because we were – I forget who it was and the thing came in. and you're Well, just, it's hit a couple times yeah, like in, in the last like awesome. 15 years. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. And it's a dumb bet and you're going to lose it, but maybe you make enough on one to finance that wager repeatedly. Well, we saw it um, intentional grounding on the Patriots in Super Bowl 46 to open that game against the Giants. Giants opened the game with a 2 nothing lead. We saw in the Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl um, at, at MetLife here, locally where I'm at, like first snap of the game goes over uh, Peyton Manning's head for a safety. So look like it could happen. But like, if you make a bet like that, like you're probably going to lose. So just like know that going in and you have a fun sweat where if it's a punt gets downed at the one yard line, you're like, oh my God, I'm live to win this bet. So, again, you can place bets like that, and they're a ton of fun. Like, it is a lot of fun, but you should look at it. The way I always look at stuff like that, like, if let's say you pay 20 bucks to see, like, a really good movie, and you're really entertained by that movie for two or three hours. At the end of the movie, like, you don't get your money back. 
Like, you've paid to see the movie. I would look at bets like this like you're going to see a movie where at the end of your two or three hours of entertainment, like, you may not get your money back, and you have to be okay with that going in. Great stuff, Nick. Thank you, buddy. Great catching up Great with you. Great wisdom, Nick. Thank you. You got it. Uh, and let's, let's go United today against Wolves. That's oh, me. thank pa- God. That's me pan- that was me pandering. Thank nice, you. Nice Throw pander. a bone. King Throw Panderer. Bone thank you. Man. Minimal sweats when he bets the absolute very best of luck. <laughs> That was the host of You Better You Bet, Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Nick Costos, Insider Calls, presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the yeah. BetMGA app. The pandering prop king. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. I mean, you don't really think about it too much. I think you just come out every single night and play your game and have fun, and that's, you know, this is what kind of comes with it. And, you know, like I said, I'm just grateful to be able to do it with these girls. I love them to death. And these coaches, they put me in positions to be successful. And, you know, I've had a lot of really good teammates in my time here. And, um, yeah, I I can't do it without all of them. I can't do it without, you know, Coach Bluter letting me have the keys to the offense. And, um, you know, we play up-tempo, we play fast, we play fun basketball, and that's what it's all about. But, um, it's cool. It's cool to be in the same the same vicinity as some of those names. A lot of people I grew up idolizing um, and looking up to. So um, definitely special for me. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seven to the score. That's the voice of Caitlin Clark. She is uh, a phenomena. She's like the best college player in basketball. Best known, best followed, and I, I, I get think, it. I think Zach Eady in the men's game would would may have an argument. People who support Purdue might say that's not the case, but Caitlin Clark has 1.1 million social media followers, and and she he wouldn't have sold out that arena like he did. Nobody was that a was that a uh, sellout when he played and lost at Northwestern. I don't know. Maybe you're right, but uh, but I think Caitlin Clark is she a beat him one on one. She was the beat most him famous one on one game <laughs> and horse too. She's the most famous college basketball player. Yes, men or of the moment. Uh, yeah, male or female. And we are uh, delighted to welcome in Annie Costable of the Chicago Sun Times. She covered the game last night, and uh, we all watched it on. Where was it? Was it Paramount or Peacock? Or Peacock. It was on one of those places, and and uh, right? and we did yes. sit in. We did spend our time doing it. My first uh, women's – I watched some of it, another one, but it was fun. Um, and she joins us now on the score hotline powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Annie, good morning. How are you? Guys, what an honor. Thank you for having me. I'm so pumped. God bless you. I I got to tell you, you had to you had to sit through that game and get up and then talk to us in the morning. <laughs> Listen, it was a it was fun, and it, and she's a great player, and she finished with thirty five points. But it wasn't like she was knocking down the threes like Steph Curry. She started going to the hole because they were giving it to her. I thought I, I thought she did an awesome job, but you know, two is less than three, and she didn't like shoot the lights out. But man. What, yeah, what I think I think that's something that kind of gets lost on on the average fan, which I'm going to call you since you just admitted that you don't watch women's basketball all that much. <laughs> so I feel like that's a fair assessment. But her game beyond the three is so brilliant. Her passing, her ability to get to the lane, her ability to absorb contact. So I think that's part of what um, makes people admire her so much is that she's very multifaceted. She's really skilled, and um, it's clear. Clear in what she's doing. She's breaking all kinds of records. 
Really good story in the Sun-Times, Annie, and I know you're very involved in covering the sky, so you're familiar with the growth of women's sports and women's basketball in the city and just around the country. And, and I guess in, in that context, how would you describe what Caitlin Clark selling out Welsh Ryan Arena essentially last night meant to the growth of women's basketball in this area? So I think the best way to describe it or the best way that I've heard it described in conversations I've had with coaches and, and other players is that this moment women's basketball is having is, is, is being sustained. You know, like when we talk about Candace Parker, who's a great example, what she did at Tennessee or um, Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, um, even going back to Cheryl Miller, these, these women were having extraordinary moments. They were capturing everybody's attention in this same way, essentially, but it was it was during tournament time or it was in in brief stints. And and Candace, I think, is a better example of, of it being sustained. You know, she was selling out arenas wherever she played um, and she drew crowds like that. But with with uh, Caitlin and and just the moment you talk about USC and Juju Watkins out there or LSU, um, South Carolina, the game is drawing crowds everywhere and we're following this moment with Caitlin, and Caitlin's, of course, surpassing anything. But it's it's a look into um, the sustained success that that women's basketball is really having right now, and and we'll see if what Caitlin's doing will translate to the professional game. But all signs point to the fact that it will. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, she's a dynamic personality. I mean, even in the post game, I love <laughs> I love when someone talks about their teammates. I love when someone. Yeah you know, talks about the idea that the point she scores isn't as important as the time she has left with her teammate. It's like a beautiful thing to say, and and it seemed very sincere. Yeah, I will say, like, covering Candace Parker, there are certain players when you interview them, and I'm sure you guys know this, who just always say the right thing. It's like right. they belong in the media as well. You know, they they're like – so uh, they're just everything that comes out of their mouth is um, is just the perfect idealistic phrase. And that's exactly who Caitlin is. And I don't mean that like what she's saying is not um, authentic or real. It very much is. That's just who they are. You know, um, they think about their teammates first. Um, they think about what it takes to win and what it takes as a team effort, obviously. And so um, in these moments where great athletes are, are having personal success, they never forget um, everything else that is allowing them to have that success, and, and Caitlin's no different. So you found uh, some young women who spent 13 <laughs> hours in a car, drove from northern yes. Michigan, and they yep. got this for Christmas as a Christmas present. How many people were like that in the building? How many people were there for a basketball game, and how many the people were there to be part of something they felt was historic? Oh, my God. I talked to at least 10 people. Um, parents, you know, with their children standing by their side, um, groups of, of students who who were there with their basketball teams, their teachers, their coaches, and truly, it was it was one after the other saying, "We got these tickets this this far in advance. We wanted to come see Caitlin play. We wanted to come see the Hawkeyes. We wanted to come see Northwestern. We wanted to come see women play basketball. We love women's basketball." It was just um, compliment after compliment. And the three girls that I, I wrote about in my story, the way that they looked at Caitlin, mm. I, I, it was hard for me to even sum it up in words. And I'm a writer. It was like 
God was standing on the court and they, they, they were seeing, they were looking at everything they wanted to be um, one day in the future. And, and I do have to give a little shout out to this girl, Roz, who 10 years old was talking like she's going to be the future of the game herself. You know, like this young girl, yeah, I would not be surprised great. if one day I'm writing about her. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I, I think that when you um, when you see that impact, and not to be cynical, but the financial impact is pretty extraordinary, right? Yeah. I mean, not only is she having a moment, as you described it, they talk about Caitlin Nomics and the idea that she's brought $3.8 million into the university, into their basketball program. And apparently she's worth over $3 million in her personal net worth. That's a nice way to start. You graduate college and you've already earned $3.something uh, million. She's not, sta- I mean, you know, she's not staying in college. She's going to the WNBA. How big do you imagine that financial impact will be, especially if she winds up in Indy in a state that is insane for basketball? Oh, my God, it's going to be huge. And I think an important subject to talk about when talking about, you know, the financial impact is the whole NIL aspect. And and there's a huge misunderstanding with it, especially when it comes to the women's game. And that's that that money won't translate to the professional level. They're somehow have to take a pay cut once they hit the pros. And the reality is that their salary for a lot of them, for players like Caitlin and Angel Reese, their salary is going to be less than what they're pulling in with NIL deals. But those NIL deals aren't going to evaporate when they hit the pro level. They're going to translate. So if anything, they're going to be making more money and there's going to be more eyes on them at the professional level. If the WNBA, which let's assume that they will, they handle this right. You know, Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, these are, these are um, this is a, a marketing opportunity. It's, it's a gold mine. And they have to take advantage of it. And, I mean, again, the growth of the WNBA, all signs point to the fact that they will. And we're going to see all of this this um, financial gain translate to the WNBA. So, Andy, when you cover a happening like this, we know you're on deadline and some things, everything <laughs> you write is not always everything you experience. But when you walk away and then maybe you have a good night's sleep and you wake up, what will you remember most about the Caitlin Clark show in Evanston? Because it's going to be one of those things that my my sense is that you know it's it's one of the more unique things that you're going to cover this year and you know maybe ever just because of how rare it is. Yeah, you know what? I am really glad because again, you guys know you don't always find you know the the right person for your story or or you don't always get to have the conversation that that really captures the moment. And I I'm not lying to you that conversation with Roz and and these three girls was it, you know, looking at the way this 10 year old girl watched Caitlin as her and I are talking, she's, she's not looking at me. She's following Caitlin, shadowing Caitlin with her eyes and truly speaking like someone who not, nothing else matters in the world. She's going to be just like her. It, It was like, it sent chills through my body. It was, it was like, truly um inspiring even as you know an adult covering this game it was inspiring to see this little girl um fall in love with a game that much and also a person who who is an example of everything that that she can be because truly um you know speaking as a young girl who loved basketball it there there weren't a ton of players like that who who made you 
see what you could be, who, who exemplified the value that you have in this world, that you have in sports. And this young girl at 10 years old saw her value in Caitlin. And that's great stuff because, you know, we always talk about people building up their self-confidence and that sort of thing. And, and if you can yeah. identify with someone as huge, um, you know, I think, is it South Carolina? That is the really good team that I saw play LSU. Um, yeah, I, South I, Carolina. I wish we could see Angel Reese against Caitlin Clark again in the tournament and then turn it into like bird versus magic or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> Hey, um, the powers that be might be might be working towards something like that. We'll see if the basketball gods give us that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens again. I think the thing that's really interesting about LSU is is the talent on that team. I mean, Angel Reese is phenomenal, right? right. Um, but Anissa Morrow's out there. You know, they've got they've got a stacked team out there, and and with Caitlin, she also has um, a very talented team around her. You know, she's been playing with a lot of these girls since her freshman year. Um, A veteran team, Lisa Bluter is a phenomenal coach, but she carries a ton of the weight, you know, and people, people talk about, oh, why, why is she putting up this many shots or, um, you know, criticizing um, her shot selection, whatever it is, she's doing what needs to be done for her team to win. And you heard her talk about it in, in the offense that Lisa runs. Lisa wants her to play that way. And so, um, you know, I think that's something that's exciting to think about at the pro level is, is who she's going to be, what she's going to look like um, when she's got, you know, a team of, of pros um, playing around her. Annie, how tough is it to cover women's sports in Chicago? Because last <laughs> night was a big deal, but it was, you know, a one-off and you cover the sky and they won a championship. And I think Chicago noticed respectfully, but it kind of went – without a lot of a, a talk, certainly not on this radio station. I just wonder, from your perspective, you do it, you do it well. How difficult is it to cover women's sports in Chicago? You know, it's just different. It's That's, I guess, the best way I can describe it. When I cover the Bulls, you know, you walk in, I mean, again, you know, there's there's at least 10 other people in the room. You are getting your interview. It's, it's seamless, right? Um, in the women's game, I'm oftentimes the only person in the in the press conference, and that personally um, feels like a blow sometimes, you know, because this game is important. It's it's great. It's it's valuable. And you know, when Candace Parker was here, mm. um, everyone's talking about the Caitlin Clark effect. Well, the Candace Parker effect is is the same. You know, we saw um, the attention that she brought to the game and 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 how it it raised the standards. Um, of of coverage in the Chicago area. And we know this is a tough market. It takes a lot to get the media's attention in the, in this market. Um, but good or bad, you know, the Sky are a professional sports team with with impressive athletes who have stories that that should be told and and require attention. And I think we all um should should be paying attention over there again, good or bad, because look at this Bulls team, right? Under oh. 500. We're showing up every day. We're talking about the storylines. We're talking about the trades. Will they, won't they trade Zach Levine? What are they going to do here? It's like those same storylines exist in the W. We don't need Candace Parker in town to cover the sky. We can do it regardless. And I think the more we do it, the more eyes get on it, the more clicks get on our stories, which I would love. Um, so <laughs> It's definitely not easy, but I love it. 
I got to tell you, um, I think that the thing that impressed me the most is she is an she is like an event. Wherever she goes, people are going to go yeah. and watch her. And you know, you're going to put you're going to run a bunch of players at her. You're going to try to you know going in. Well, we got to make sure that she's not the one that kills us. And every right. coach is going to concentrate on that. So she's going to get because of the attention, because of the event thing. She's going to get everyone's best shot. I mean, players that don't normally. Uh, play well, maybe, or players that they're gonna they're gonna get jacked up by the crowd. They're gonna so give they can you, tell their kids they exactly, shut down Caitlin Clark. I knocked out a three yeah. over. <laughs> I, I just think that that sort of thing. She might have an easier time, frankly, in the WNBA than than she does right now because everyone has these super high expectations and everyone wants to see, you know, whatever we're calling it, Steph Curry meets Larry Bird. I, I mean, it's just <laughs> it, it's just amazing. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Kelsey Plum put it really well. She's she's who's Caitlin who Caitlin's chasing right now. She's um playing for the Aces, just won back-to-back titles with the Aces. Um when she got to the league, number 1 overall pick, when she got to the league, it was not easy. It was really hard, and she's shared many stories about um, mentally, you know, the difficulty of going from being this phenom who everybody followed to then um, trying to transition into, into the professional level. And the thing with Caitlin is, you're right, like she's getting everyone's best shot right now. Um, I talked to Veronica Burton, who, who formerly played for Northwestern, plays for the Dallas Wings now. She talked about, you know, the schematics defensively, what they were throwing at her and how she would just still score on them. Um, the pros are going to want to do the same thing. You know, they they see this young player coming in. They see everybody talking about her. They hear all these storylines. They they see everything we're we're doing, right? Where this this is a phenomenon, right? They want to shut the phenomenon down. So Caitlin's not going to have the easiest time at the professional level. Does that mean she's she's not going to translate? Absolutely not. Um, but it's going to be fun to see how I think um, some of the greats in the W are going to go at her. You know, I'm I'm hoping Diana plays another year so we could see the trash talk that Diana throws at Caitlin because we all know that Diana Taurasi is like a dog and and she she serves some of the best trash talk in the game. Great Annie, stuff, Annie. Thanks so much. We appreciate your yeah. time. Thanks for having me, guys. That is uh Annie Costabal. She is the uh, uh the beat writer for the for the uh, Chicago Sun Times covering, well, as it turns out, all of women's basketball. A little bit, right? little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. Bit of she everything. covers the sky. She covers the Bulls. Yeah. Does a nice job and, and covered the Caitlin Clark show very well last night for she the Sun sure Times. Did. And it was uh, fun to talk about. I, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to keep half an eye on it, right? Especially, doesn't she have a game? They predicted like in early February, she's going to, well, it is February. In a couple weeks, she's going to break the all-time scoring record, right? It's a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know I, I exactly saw, when. I saw but... a projected date. She, she had, that was her 50th game with 30 or more points. It's remarkable. Come on. It's pretty effortless. Yeah. 35 and 10, and then she shot three for 12 from three-point range. So it was an off-shooting night, yeah. and she still had 35 and 10. And she she was flirting with a triple-double as well. And, and she's so right. She had like a um, – a, a whole court pass to a girl for a layup. Did you see that pass? Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a pass. Kind of like a young David Hall <laughs> leading the show. All right.
3124. No, you're from Indiana. I know. You don't I want have, to open that door. I have no doubt that you can knock down shots. Yesterday no we doubt. talked Hoosiers. Now you want to talk about my high school basketball career. No. We'll go on to something I else. I am like a trip through memory lane wow. is what I am. You are you. Mr. Nostalgia. I've always said that yeah, about you. It's so true. You're a sucker yeah. for a good story. I am. I mean, I uh, you know, like I see a beautiful love story, I want to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 score. Kobe, topside three. Bam! Oh, Kobe White. Put him in the hole. Put him in the hole of fame. Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. Let's dance in North Carolina. <laughs> yes, sir, Bill. You will be dancing. I, I will that. be dancing, yes. I know you will, my friend. And uh, A little southern comfort. <laughs> Sounds like a nice drink to me. Nightcap. Yeah. It's uh, Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And we need to remind everyone, Caitlin Clark, not the only person scoring 35 points last night. Kobe Wright. Kobe White had 35 for the Bulls. And he, the hometown, the home state guy, how do we define Home state guy goes down to North Carolina and and does what he did so many high school Friday nights. Isn't Filled he the up. leading scorer in I think the he's high the school history, right? Leading scorer. At least that, or that's what he was when he graduated. Point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can leave high school and have some state records, and then eventually they get broken, and then everyone has a sad day. <laughs> Not that I would know anything about that. But, uh, yeah, Kobe White scored 35 last night, and the Bulls needed it because they were trailing, and then he got hot, and then this is the way they're going to win these days. Mm. I think DeMar DeRozan is the closer. Zach Levine is the guy who, will they trade him? Won't they trade him? He's injured. Kobe White has been, dare I say, has has Kobe White been the most consistent element of this team so far this year? I think he's been the, I think he's been like the brightest um, development for the team this year. Maybe the only bright development for the team this year. Io is also, of late, been a pretty good uh, bright development. Caruso? Caruso has, has been, his moments. He's, he's been team, great. He's a uh, Team yes. USA finalist. Maybe he'll make uh, the Olympic team. That would be fantastic. And okay, he's shooting and making it happen. Andre Drummond. Yeah. Andre Drummond looks younger every time he's out there. He's a guy that you didn't think he was going to be a big contributor, did we? Um, no, but, man, he's a big dude. He's a big dude. He, he um, At one point, I think he had uh, – he had a steal and he was going to the bucket and somebody came up and just slapped the ball out. And I thought, you know, and he seemed amused by that because he's, he looked like he was contemplating what style of dunk he was going to make. He can make an impact in a short period of time. He only played 15 minutes last night, but it seemed like longer. He's, he's big. He's big guy. Isn't he like really good with rebounds? Yeah. 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 I I think he's the best offensive rebounder in the NBA. When you look at the, uh, metrics yeah. and the way yeah. they measure such things. How about DeMar DeRozan only taking 10 shots? So they win a game, Kobe has 35, and DeMar only takes 10 shots and has 15 points. Well, I, you know, I think that um, if, you, if you look at him in the second game of back-to-backs, it's probably a wise way of using him. And, and it's, it was – really helpful of him understanding that Kobe was having this moment with the crowd and he, he let it go. 
But they're so injured that you can't they're really so afford injured. to rest DeMar DeRozan right. because no. they're without Zach. They're yes. without Patrick Williams, who could have right. had a chance to play in his hometown. They're yep. without Torrey Craig. That's right. They have all kinds of reasons did, to have did to Patrick, extend. Did he deliver any flowers just as long as he was there? Out of habit. If Out of will. habit. Yeah, yeah, I remember that story. Yeah, he's, That's a good he's, memory. What, what is the term again? He's actively resting? It's active rest. Active rest. So, God, I love that. I yeah, just love the he's idea. He's just antsy that, on the couch. Yeah, exactly. So when we had the pick six question about what the Bulls did in winning that game and p- perhaps sending a message, I don't know that they sent any message. No. I, I think that the message was, we're still hurt, yeah. we're still here, yeah. and we're probably going to be here past the trade deadline because nobody's interested. Well, I, I think that the reality of um, of Zach Levine's situation where – and it's an unfair thing to kind of – you know, the guy starts his career with a awful Minnesota team and he goes to Chicago. And at one point, he was like the losingest player in NBA history because of that. And then the Bulls get a little better. They actually make the playoffs and – you think that they're turning a quarter, a corner of some kind, and now, lo and behold, here we are. Um, you know, we've been talking about the trade since November. Yeah, it's a little it's a, wearisome, a little tired, and he's injured. And now you you find out that maybe there was a hint of interest from Detroit, but not really. There's nobody out there. The Bulls overvalue him. There is this feeling, whether correct or not, that he's kind of uh, – he's only been to the playoffs once. All the losing has beaten him up a little bit. There's no market. There's no market. There's no market for Zach no, Levine. And I don't think no that market. you generate one by being injured and sitting out. Yes. Not his fault, but no, that's but, just the reality. So the Bulls are likely uh, in a week from now when the trade deadline comes, it will pass without them making a deal of <laughs> significance. I don't think that's far-fetched right now. The expect expectation is – going to stand pat and we'll continue to watch the play in standings and where they stand and all those things so elsewhere in the nba last night doc rivers 0-2 as the bucks head coach <sighs> that's so mean it's it's reality he's not playing no he is not playing he's coaching he replaced the guy who started 30 and 13 <laughs> doc rivers great a local guy made good i love doc rivers but the fact is they lost to the blazers they're 0-2 how long is this going to take for them to get going? I don't know, honestly. I, I mean, it's weird. It's weird the way this season has gone, that it wasn't good enough and you make a change and now you're midstream and everybody's kind of not there yet. So they need a win pretty desperately just to prove that they can win under this coach. They yeah. start stacking losses, people are going to look at it differently than they do. This could be good for them in the in the long run. It's a, It's only February 1st. They're going to be playing into June. You have to look at them as uh, likely to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Who are they going to have to play for a chance to play in the NBA Finals? I think Doc Rivers will get them going. This is just a funny start to his tenure because they go to Portland. A lot of attention paid Dame Lillard. And did you see him say that he thought he could be back with the Blazers one day? Yeah, that, that was, that's a crazy thing to say. That's is that just odd. playing to the local audience? That's all that is. Because he wanted out of there as much as Zach would like to leave Chicago. The difference is he's Dame Lillard. Yeah. So you look at him in a different way. It's, di- it's a big difference. Um, it is, um, again, um, pitchers and, and uh, catchers report on February 14th. 
So we are into February, a couple weeks away from pitchers and catchers. The entire teams of both the White Sox and the Cubs will be at camp on the 19th. And we're uh, still wondering who's on the team and who isn't. Boy, we are. And you're starting to wonder about the Scott Boer strategy and what he was asking for and how realistic it was if he was ever going to get it when it comes to Cody Bellinger. And certainly people who are waiting for Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell and Matt Chapman to sign are wondering the same thing. He's got four of the top free agents, and they are all unsigned as February begins. That's a remarkable offseason for baseball. You got the two best pitchers and two high caliber quality all star level position players still unsigned. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I have to think if you're Cody Bellinger, you're sitting there wherever he's sitting and getting ready for the season, real antsy. Are you are you are you happy that you have the agent that's No. Gonna, okay. I don't think so. You're getting antsy. I'm getting antsy. Maybe, well, maybe they'll be happy at the at the end of the day, as they say. But all I remember is a year ago at this time, you know, Cody Bellinger, I think, had signed early with the Cubs or signed already with the Cubs, and he right. was in Arizona working on that swing, getting acclimated to everything. Wasn't he already there early because it was convenient for him? I have to go back and check, but that rings a bell. And right now, there's so much uncertainty. You wonder if he wants that, would have preferred that security sign in, you know. January or even in whenever it's just getting so late in the process I would be antsy I I gotta ask you this then if let's say you were in that situation and you are getting antsy and you are closing in on the the return to camp and ultimately you end up signing a contract for let's just for the sake of the argument about 25, 35 million less than you thought you were gonna. Are you a disgruntled player? If if you return and everybody, nobody values you in your second MVP style season as they did in your first, uh, are you are you is one of the elements that could lead to the numbers evening out over his career to 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 that would lead to some of the fears is that he's a disgruntled superstar. Maybe for some guys you would say that. Mm-hmm. I, Cody Bellinger doesn't strike me as somebody that's going to stay disgruntled for long. His personality, pretty laid back, always a guy who has been described as a very positive clubhouse influence. My sense would be that even if he's disenchanted with his agent and the fact that he's not on a roster right now, that's probably between him and the agent more than it will be with the team that didn't want to pay what he thought he was worth. I don't think that in your example that he's going to come back to the Cubs if, in fact, as John Morosi tweeted, I think, yesterday, that that's the most likely destination still. I don't think he returns unhappy because they weren't willing to pay him $250 million. Hmm. I think he probably, if anything, returns if they don't go to the price that he thought he was worth, maybe intent on proving that he is worth that or that he is that kind of player. It depends on how you look at it. All I know is that if you come back disgruntled, and, and committed to being unhappy, you're not going to get the most out of your talent. You've got to be gruntled. You've you got to be, be very disc- gruntled. The yeah. more gruntled you are, the better for your OPS. <laughs> uh, I, I, you want I 25 right. gruntled guys in your clubhouse. I, I just worry that, that you know, I, I mean, if you, are, if you have an agent and he's telling you, look at the price of paying co- poker, it's going way up. 
you're going to get yourself yeah, $250 million. But, and then And then you see guys get $700 million and he's got 325 and you're sitting there kind of salivating, and the next thing you know, there's no market. Here's the thing, though. I mean, when, you're when still you, going to get paid a lot of money. When you just get down to it, if yeah. it is the Cubs, and they pay him less than what he thinks he is worth, and he does report to Arizona in two weeks disgruntled, and he's open about it. You know what? I would much rather have mm. a ticked-off, disgruntled Cody Bellinger batting fourth in my lineup than uh, a happy-go-lucky Cody Bellinger suiting up for the Giants next month. If he's playing for you, that's all that matters. I don't care what kind of mood he's in. Just hit. Just play the field. Just show us your gold glove. And the the rest will take care of itself. Because once he gets to Wrigley Field, once he gets back in Chicago, those kind of things take care of themselves. Yeah. There's there's uh let's just hope they get it done. You know, again, your off season isn't gonna be as uh as good as you'd hoped if you lose him. And there are other parts you've already lost yeah, that you wonder about. Yeah, you have. And, and I would check the box. Yeah, yesterday we talked yes or no, bad off season if they don't sign Bellinger. Yeah. I'd say yes, it's a bad off offseason um, if you don't sign Bellinger. I have found myself coming around to this idea where I need to think about the Matt Chapman dilemma is more complicated for me. Yeah, I agree with you. Because I don't know if I I, I, I want to know what the money would be. I want to know how long the contract is. And I want to know what the plan is and who else you're bringing with Matt Chapman. Well, Pete Crow Armstrong then becomes your center fielder and an everyday player. And he did not hit well enough for if that. If you get Chapman without Bellinger? Yeah. Yeah, then you're going to lean on I think you're going to lean on him more quicker. than maybe you want. Right. And I don't know that that's a good idea. I'd rather have Bellinger without Chapman. I would, I think too. it's unlikely to get both. You know, I, I'm not going to tell you Nick Madrigal's great or, you know, Patrick Wisdom can play or, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you that, that that position belongs to someone. But you got options. You got options and you got a young guy on the on the way. I mean, you could get by. You could figure it out. Um well, I don't know that that is the case without a guy like Bellinger. I think Bellinger helps you. He's he's a center fielder. He plays there. He can play first base if you're in a pinch. Uh, and then he can DH. So he helps you at three different positions, even though you look at it and you, you say, well, the only one that really matters is the, is the center field. And Christopher Morrell is not going to be Morrell, a good glove yeah. at third base, but he's also somebody that has to be in the lineup. You've got Morrell. You've got Madrigal. You do have options. And you have also 22-year-old Matt Shaw at double-A on the way. I know he just got drafted last year, but I also know that he has impressed everyone, and he's one of their seven top 100 prospects. If they can hold down the fort, perhaps Matt Shaw's ready next year. I'd still think this year matters. But I don't know. That's what I mean. If they sign somebody like Chapman to a long-term contract, I want to know the terms opt-outs, and what their plan really is before I react too heavily. But in contrast to Bellinger, all in. I'm belling up to the bar. You need him back or else your offseason is not what we thought it would be. All right. We're going to bring in Dan and Lawrence next, and we'll talk to them, do a little bit of uh, transition. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.